0: Hey, hey! Welcome back to another episode of The Strange Road. I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, riding shotgun, Bub. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm great. Great. A little chilly outside, but I'm good. All right, you ready to go? Rocking. This is got my flannel on. Strapped in. I'm ready as well. And tonight we have guest director, our boy TJ and Disbro. How about that? Hang, hanging out with us. Hello both it. those guys. Check out that master, master control, control cam. TJ and Disbro. You guys are rocking and rolling. Appreciate the hell out of you guys. Heck yes. Appreciate all you guys in the chat. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Um a- anybody out there that's in YouTube, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Gotta hit that notification bell. Jump on board. And that's just going to get you anytime we live stream or have a premiere, you're going to get notified. Um, Great way to support the show is with those super stickers and super chats. We keep all of these live streams and premieres ad free. Uh, And also if you're listening in Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please leave that five star rating and a positive comment. And if you like it, like the show, share it, share an episode, yeah, absolutely. share this episode, um, go back through our library cause we've been building them up the last couple of years, uh, the last year here Yeah, and we got a hell of a library in. going yeah. here guys. So you're just um, jumping
1: on. There's a lot there.
0: Go back and dig into yeah. that library. There's a lot of crossover with, especially, uh, with tonight's guest. Oh, and I almost forgot. You guys can find us Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the strange road. Go check out the Facebook group. We've got some big stuff coming up, guys, so follow us in those socials. Keep up to date with everything we got cooking. You guys all rule. Thank you so much Uh, to everybody listening out there, watching out there. Much, much love, much appreciation. Well, let's hop right into it, Bub. Our guest tonight is well-known paranormal researcher, U.S. Air Force veteran and author, check out his new book, which is out now, Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel and Stack Time Theory. Let's welcome Mike Ricksecker, everybody. Mike, how you doing? i uh, doing pretty well. Thanks so much for having me tonight, guys. I really appreciate it absolutely hey we appreciate you making the time for us yeah it was, it's so awesome we've seen so many shows that you've been on over the years whether it's ancient aliens or uh william shatner's the unexplained so you're killing it your books seem to be doing your new book seems to be doing great uh but we'd love to give you the floor tell us a little bit about yourself and we can hop right into talking about your book and anything else yeah absolutely i My background is, well, I've been writing ever since I was
2: uh, a little kid, about, you know, if you can imagine, seven years old, and I'm writing books. So that's always been a passion of mine. Had several uh, experiences, you know, paranormal, supernatural, and nature growing up. And so as an adult, you know, eventually made sense to write about those things. But I've been researching this type of strange phenomena, esoteric knowledge, ancient wisdom, those sorts of things for, you know, probably a good, Thirty years, and uh, it's just been an, an absolute passion. So to be able to uh, you know, be a part of shows like Ancient Aliens and uh, Unexplained with William Shatner, those are those are honors. You know, I've you know grew up watching Shatner on uh, you know Star Trek and Ancient Aliens. You know, I was watching that when it first came out, and to now be a part of it is just uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, the the latest book travels through time. That's my 13th it's the actually first book in the connecting the universe series and yeah time travel is something that's always absolutely fascinated me and so for this new book series i decided well let's get to you know the just start from a nice base let's get to you know the center of the universe here what actually drives all of this and uh and yeah i know we're going to be talking about that a lot here this evening
0: Absolutely. And like I said earlier in the chat, these are things that we've been talking about that have kind of been overlapping through other episodes and then also our show, Strange Happenings, where, you know, we're com- covering a lot of the UAP phenomena. And, you know, it always mm-hmm. pops up like, who are these beings? And so many people, even over the years, have talked to us. A Mi'kmaq elder friend that has always said they're us from the future. And so they're coming back in these times to, so we're hearing a lot of this. Right now, about who these beings could potentially be. Are they coming from another planet, another dimension? Are they us from the future? So that's why we're so stoked for this tonight. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, we really want to hop right in and, and, you know, stack time theory. I've heard a little bit about this, but, um, and, you know, just let us know, like, why should we know about stack time theory?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, first of all, your your list that you ran down there, I will say all of the above. There are all of those things, not just one. And we'll get into that as we go along. Uh, Stack time theory is really uh, the the premise of it is the idea and concept that all time is concurrent. Uh, past, present, future is all here with us. We're stuck in this thing that we call the river of time. So there's some rules that are put in place into the universe to give us this idea that uh, time is flowing, that it's linear. But you know, even Einstein said just before his death that you know time is an illusion. Uh, so mm-hmm. we go with this idea that all time is ever present. That is our fourth dimension, Is is time which means that all the other dimensions above us would see time as a whole object, just like we see a three-dimensional cube or like my mouse here uh, and and other things around me. uh, We see those as whole objects. From these other dimensions, you would also see time as whole. So if it's all concurrent, take where you're sitting right now. And every moment that has happened is happening and will happen. It's all right there every moment like a photograph and all of those photographs are stacked on top of each other right where you're at and sometimes because everything's energy resonance frequency vibration two of those moments will resonate at the same frequency for just a moment and we'll get a glimpse of another point in time mm. something that we would call like a time slip and what's fascinating about that is that we may be getting a glimpse of a an image or a visage or something of the past. And those people it, it, which we're sharing that time slip with are looking at us or looking into the future. Hmm. And do they see us as a ghost or or some other form of manifestation? We're not really sure. They may they might, but in a lot of these accounts, those beings who we're looking at uh will react to us as if we're the ghosts.
0: Wow.
1: That's what I was just about to say. So we might be the (laughs) ghost to the ghost that we're seeing. So when we see a ghost, we might (laughs) be the ghost to them. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Never thought of that. That's going to blow my mind for a minute.
0: Yeah, because you do hear a lot of, you know— talking about whether it's Skinwalker Ranch or Stardust Ranch these portals that are opening up um you know different activity that is it ghosts is it people in other dimensions now it's it's sort of it it, it all is really interconnected and we've been talking about this a lot lately is maybe some of these what we think are ghosts are actually just interdimensional slips of some kind yeah yeah there's a lot of these things that we chalk up as
2: ghosts. Now, I'm I'm not ruling out whatsoever that some of these are actually human spirits that are still, right, uh, you know, present, and j- they've just lost, you know, the three dimensional body. Um, you know, talking about dimensions, you know, we are fascinating beings because our our consciousness, which is in that dimension of time, that's the fourth dimension, is inside a three dimensional body. So we lose the body, and sometimes the consciousness stays here on the fourth dimension other times it moves to well you know we talk about you know heaven or summerland or you know the home world where whatever that is you know we have all kinds of different religious uh ideas about what that is and where the consciousness goes off to so is that the fifth dimension sixth, seventh? is it above all of that you know we're we're not really sure but so it can go there it can stay here and uh so it could be be that. But it also could be, yes, these two moments in time that are slipping in and out of each other. It could be a being from another dimension. So is it a being from the sixth dimension, the seventh dimension? There are going to be other entities living in those dimensions that they're going to be outside uh, the scope of time and they'd be able to move in and about much more freely than us. Are some of these extraterrestrials? Could very well be time travelers. And when we talk Uh, some sort of time traveler. doesn't necessarily mean us. Uh, It could be, but it could also be, you have to think about this. Our planet has been around for four and a half billion years. It's a long time. We're going to be around about another five billion years until the sun turns into a red giant and encompasses the earth and destroys us. Yep. So we have to get off here at some point if we want to survive. We got a little time yet. But And that's a long time. So you think about this. The dinosaurs went extinct 64 million years ago. That's just a little more than 1% of the entire history of the Earth that that happened. The oldest uh, Homo sapiens sapiens fossils that we found are 315,000 years old. So we've been here a very, very short period of time. So given that, say 64 million years from now, what does the Earth look like? You know, are humans gone? Have we annihilated ourselves? Have we colonized elsewhere? We might not even be here. And in that time, there could be another life form, intelligent life form that has evolved, developed civilization, technology, maybe even time travel technology. So could be time traveler that is indigenous here to earth, but not necessarily human. Also, and these are, these are a lot of different ideas and theories that we can throw out there. Could be, again, take a 64 million, 100 million, a billion years from now. Could be an extraterrestrial civilization out there looking for a new home. Maybe they're colonizing. We don't know. We can speculate. But they find Earth. And to them, it's habitable. And they come here. They set up shop, develop their civilization and technology again. Maybe they develop time travel technology and go back to look at the Earth's past. So, you know, they could still be extraterrestrials that we're seeing as far as like some of these UFOs, UAPs, this sort of thing, beings that we're seeing. They could still be extraterrestrial living here on Earth and a time traveler all at the same time. Yeah.
0: Unpack that one, <laughs> but I saw your hanging. brain just broke. <laughs> a lot happening there.
1: But I mean, they're all very intriguing, interesting theories as well, which – We've talked about this a lot about, you know, again, with theories. I love it because I can't disprove them. I can't say yes or no, but it, it does lend to the, the the thought process and expansion of just going, what if it is this way? What if, You know, kind of just taking that viewpoint that we have sometimes and flipping it to where we're like, oh, it has to be like ET here. You know, maybe it is an ET. Maybe it is, you know, but opening up the door of possibilities to a wider spectrum rather than I think sometimes we get it kind of pigeonholed because I was even going to say earlier, like, non-human intelligences we think of it as like okay well then it's going to be an alien but what if it's not what if it is like a star trek episode where it's just like this pink cloud you know and that's the non-human intelligence (laughs) like that's one of the things i still have a tough time grappling with is like even if we do interact with something or make con like will we project how we think it should look and it will be able to assume something like that? Or is there an actual hard and fast, like we're just going to have to learn how to interact with some pink ethereal cloud?
0: Well, if that is, you know, <laughs> that's a big step. That brings up a good point, because sometimes you ever catch some of these channelers on YouTube back in the day. I used to watch a lot of these weird videos, and, and a lot of the themes overarching, whether it's uh, the gentleman, Daryl Anka, and some of these guys that are, uh, quote, channelers. And some hmm. of the messages you hear are, we are just literally a higher consciousness, and our brains are projecting what they look like to us. So, okay. because they're on such a higher dimension, that it's within our brain is how we perceive them. So Can't we really actually we perceive we, them appropriately, right? Okay, so right. Fair enough. I don't know, Mike. Have you ever heard that before?
1: It makes sense, though, if you're getting to higher dimensions, that we as a lower dimension have a tough time understanding or interpreting them. So we go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um,
1: Yeah, these beings, entities, other forms of
2: consciousness from these other dimensions, um, we don't quite have the proper geometry. We don't quite have the proper senses to be able to... See and interact with that properly. you know our eyes only see into a narrow band of the spectrum. We only hear certain wavelengths and uh you know a, a good example here is let's take something that we can understand uh, other dimensions that are accessible to us. So second dimension is a plane, you know flat surface, you know circle, square, rectangle, that sort of thing. So somebody that is in that dimension and you may have heard the term flatlander. If you were to pass a three-dimensional object, like a sphere, through their world, they would never comprehend properly that entire sphere. What they would see as a sphere passed through their land is they would see like this small circle open up and it would get wider and wider and wider, until so it got to its apex, and then as it finished, Passing through, it gets slower or it would get smaller, smaller, smaller. Right. You got to that very small circle again. That's all that they would ever really be able to perceive. They could tell, okay, something's there. I don't really understand what it is, why this circle is opening and closing right. doesn't make sense to me. But they would still perceive a little bit of it as much as their senses could pick up on. I think that's what's happening in a lot of these cases of, you know, it might be a you know, strange, vaporous form that we see it might be a shadow person. Some people report seeing seeing some sort of shimmer type person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a lot mm-hmm. of these different types of strange types of beings and entities, we just don't have the proper senses to be able to to be able to make sense of it all.
0: Right? Yeah, totally makes sense. It it does, but. It does, but then there has to be at some level
1: of whatever we're catching, even if it is that sphere coming in, you know, not as a sphere, but the circle and as it widens and then collapses back down, even though they're not sensing appropriately, say that two-dimension of the three-dimension, they're still seeing something. So we we as the perceivers, even with imperfect uh, equipment, are still going to see something. So maybe that's why it's even more like people are like, I don't even know what to tell you what I saw. It, it doesn't no. even make sense what I saw. You know, how many times do you hear that where you're like, I, I can't really exactly. tell you
0: what it was. Yes. So that great brings up a good point, Mike, is if beings in higher dimensions are coming into our dimension, what are we seeing? It depends on the being. Um, you know, again,
2: you know, sometimes we see it as some sort of Shadow. I'll just throw shadow people out here for a moment because I've wrote an entire book on that as well. And they're all different varying types. You know, there's ones that are very solid, look uh, humanoid in form. There's some that you know, appear to crawl on the ground. There's some that are just a, a vaporous mist, almost like a cloud. There's some that we call uh like a wisp. It's just, you know, very, very translucent, moves very fast. It's almost like you you blink and you miss it sort of thing. Mm. And of course, you hear about ones that are wearing hats or have red eyes and these sorts of things that come in all different shapes and sizes and forms. And so I this is what I say when it comes to that. You have like several different entities you know several different species of entities that are entering into our dimension using a very similar energetic modality whether that's the shadow or you mentioned the shimmer type person or uh, maybe even apparition like uh, to to enter into our world
0: into our dimension wow so Now, when people talk about these crafts, all these, you know, the big UAP files and Grush and all these things coming out with biological, you know, entities and, you know, some of the craft appear to be just blip completely into nothing and they're just gone. Mm -hmm. And so there is this interdimensional aspect to these craft as well. And I don't know, um, you know, if... This kind of goes along with these entities, but also these craft and how they're coming in and out of our d- existence, too.
1: Like a hyperdimensional craft.
0: Yeah. Like the cubes with the um, circular around aura around them. them. The you hear about them. the black cubes yeah. and, and these tic-tacs. I've heard and, about them. I've never seen any
1: accounts. I've heard in just passing, but those are interesting. I mean, very interesting. Yeah,
2: there was a gentleman at a uh, conference here. Uh, I was Phenomicon. And he had worked, oh, I forget his exact position, uh, but he was part of the underwater crew. He was going into these deep sea dives, and oh, they had boy. seen one of those types of cubes down there mm. at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, so, yeah, really, really fascinating. But, uh, yeah, it's the same type of concept, you know, these different... Uh, you know, forms of craft and UAPs and you know, full-blown UFOs and things like that. Uh, a lot of them have the same type of properties of moving in and out of our dimension, maybe in and out of our point in time if they're time travelers. I do believe some are physical craft that have come here from you know, some other planet in the cosmos. Now, That makes you ask the question, of course. How are they getting here over such long Mm -hmm. distances? Well, maybe they figured out how to, you know, use an Einstein-Rosen bridge and you know a wormhole or some sort of tunneling through the universe. They may have figured that out. Some of these may actually be indigenous to here. Ah, yeah. Hear stories about you know underwater bases or very very uh, deep locations within the earth, which. I know a lot of people might scoff at like the whole hollow earth idea, but I I put an ED at the end of that, hollowed, because we have some very, very large areas within the earth, old lava tubes, magma chambers, these sorts of things that, you know, are absolutely massive that would, you know, be conducive to some sort of entity or being or life form that is, you know, trying to live undetected amongst us.
0: Exactly. We love to talk about the hollow earth theory, and one of the biggest proponents was right here in Ohio, John Symes, from the Mm -hmm. Cincinnati area, and there's the hollow earth monument down there in, in Hamilton County, and so, you know, that being you know mammoth cave we have some guy cryptid researchers that we've had on that talk about you know the dogmen and the sasquatch are using these cave systems and and these you know they just can disappear into what seems like nowhere
1: right when and, they seemingly disappear it's because and, they're using these networks of underground caves which and, there's a fairly large network of underground and the missing caves.
0: 411 overlays with all right, the cave right. systems so absolutely all that stuff really starts But, I mean, to it's
1: up. it's also the, one of the best places to, you know, write out tough times. Uh, I just watched the oh, Netflix yeah. show, whatever it is, the Morgan Freeman with the evolution of Earth and how many times all the animals died off and, mm-hmm. you know, one one or two species yeah. hung on. And lo and behold, that weird, ugly thing that was living under the dirt mm-hmm. is apparently where we come from. That little shrewd. No, that weird-looking, oh, looks- fleshy... Animal. I don't know what it was. It's, it was I was like, I have never heard this in my life. But it makes sense. There's safety underground, right? There is, yeah. You look
2: at places around the world like Darren kuyu mm-hmm. Absolutely. Network of tunnels and caverns, and you know, all carved out uh by humans. And you know there's speculation that they were used many many times over tens of thousands of years wow. you know the, the the remnants that we usually see are you know the the last time it was used right because you don't usually um you know if you're living somewhere you don't usually keep your garbage am- amongst you you know you're cleaning up and and all that so it's that very last remnant of whoever was there where they've left some things scattered about, but even, you know, there's some fascinating uh, research has been done here about like the polar shifts. So last uh, significant polar shift last about 400 years, uh, about 40,000 years ago. Well, about 40,000 years ago, we find a significant amount of cave art. And that makes a lot of sense because when that polar shift occurs, our magnetic protection our magnetic shield around the planet that protects us from the solar wind uh you know dwindled down to about eight to ten percent so you go outside during the day you're gonna get fried wow so these people were staying inside to protect themselves and they got all these walls and they're drawing on the the walls with their with their cave art and so that makes a lot of sense
1: I was just gonna, It makes yeah. me think of the movie The Croods when they stand in the cave all the time and draw in the cave art. But it also made me think of, you know, you have diurnal, nocturnal. You have all these animals that are either up at night or day and then some that do both of them. So we're like we come out into the elements. Our protection goes away from that, you know, uh, uh, sphere on the earth that, you know, ra- uh, radiation waves. And the next thing you know, we're inside and we're like, well, we're bored. Yeah. We need to start drawing and keeping ourselves busy and remember, you know makes sense. It's really interesting. I've never heard that before.
0: Yeah, and Mike, I want to just go back a little bit. I love what you said about some of these beings could just be beings that have been here forever. I love that idea because yeah. if you study the Vedic texts and these and you know, look at the 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 king's list of Sumeria and Egypt and you know, maybe they're not ancient aliens. Maybe, of course, I think aliens did visit and give us knowledge and so forth. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of gray area there. What if there were just really, really advanced people that have just been here forever? Now they're living in these, you know, maybe these deep underground bases and these these bases that are under the sea. They, they've always been here. They've never left. I really like that. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it,
2: it's definitely a, a Great idea in, in theory. And um, I think what we can look at in regards to that is some of these reports of different extraterrestrials that uh, people have reported seeing and what have you, that uh, some of them are described as insectoid in nature, like almost like right. a, like an ant or a praying mantis or mm-hmm. something like that. But then when you look at our indigenous history, and you go to like the American Southwest mm-hmm. you find these tales of the ant people. And mm-hmm. right there in the Verde Valley, uh, Montezuma as well. I love this story. Um, Montezuma as well. Traditionalists say, well, it's some sort of sinkhole. They don't really know because they can't get down in there. Basically it's a uh, big wide open area. It, you know, it's um, it's It is like really a hole in the ground. But there's water in there and they can't get down inside because you get to a certain depth and everything gets pushed back up. They can't get probes down there. You can't dive down there. Nothing. Um, But there are uh, indigenous tales from that area that long, long ago when the great cataclysm occurred, that the survivors of Lemuria were brought down inside that area by the ant people. The ant people were trying to save the humans and basically rode out the great cataclysm there uh, within their cave system there at Montezuma as well. And then when the cataclysm had subsided and was deemed safe to go above ground again, then the humans came out. But they were saved by these ant people. So what if these ant people never left? What if they're still down there?
0: And I think they probably are. Yeah. You know, we we uh, did a Earth Wisdom Jeep tour in the Sedona area. We've been to the Verde right. Valley a bunch of okay. times. We've yeah. shot some stuff in uh, Montezuma's Castle, a couple different Vortex yeah. spots over the years. Um, Montezuma as well, the day that we were there, was closed. And we shot Shut the up. whole road closure because we were so stoked to go there. Ugh. And we rolled up. And they had a bunch of flooding when we were there, and like Mike said, it's this. What year was this? This is 2021. Okay, a couple just, years just back, not even that okay. long ago. And so we shot a bunch of stuff. We went to um, Montezuma's Castle. We went to the V Bar V Heritage Site, where they have that um, big serpent petroglyph that lines up to the winter and summer solstice. And and mm-hmm. you know, we talked with those guys about our serpent mound here in Ohio yeah. and, and how it's yeah. It's basically the same calendar, and so Montezuma's well, unfortunately, was completely closed. What if something was going on there that day? Maybe there was a uh, there's a lot of federales, up. a lot of federal agents that were around there. They were creeping up oh, on us when we were flying the the drone that day. We got stopped. Really? When we we're because you cannot fly a drone inside the federal park. So we got outside okay. the park and we're flying around the perimeter, and he just popped up. And you know, he was cool, he's a really nice guy, but they're yeah, like, um, What are you doing? Yeah, and interesting. But Justin and that is I,
1: interesting.
0: Uh, Bub and I, years ago, were in Sedona, and mm-hmm. our Jeep tour guide had told us about if you go visit the 90 year olds and 100 year old people that have been living mm-hmm. in this Verde Valley, they'll tell you there is Ishtar, Ishtar, and that basically this being that's. In the cave systems, like the
1: sheriff of the West,
0: he's the Southwest. police. It was of, weird, interesting of the of the of the of grays the graves. Oh yeah, I forgot that story. Yeah. And <laughs> basically, he said all these people have known that deep down in these caverns, there's these beings that are still there to this day. And what? this Ishtar is like the police, basically of yeah. all the like graves. And we're kinda, like, what?
1: Yeah, this was. We were the only two on the Jeep tour, so we yeah. got our own like private yeah. tour, which was awesome. Was so and we got awful. so much more lore. And just kind of, yeah. You know, maybe it's history. Maybe it's not lore. Maybe that's what's really going on out there. I mean, you got yeah. Dulce, New Mexico, where maybe there's the base uh, under under that. You know, yeah. uh, Mesa, like.
0: There's and, just a lot, and we also interviewed Clifford Mahooda years back uh, at an event that you we know, were doing. I was just
2: about to mention
0: Clifford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so he's talked to us about the, their connection with, uh, you know, the ant people, but then also they were the people that came to help build Serpent Mound. Their culture is connected mm-hmm. here in Ohio, so we have uh, two videos that we have up on YouTube with with Clifford that kind of connects both those worlds. And so, you know, their iconography of the serpent, and, you know, I've read the book of the Hopi, and and this is their story. Is I've heard the a lot about people.
1: the inner earth, uh, you know, and what you've said as well, Mike, is, you know, the lava tubes and some of these other things where it's, we don't even have to make it necessarily. There's some of these right. structures that could already be there that we don't, but we also build and construct underground. There's huge, you know, uh, storage facilities, oh, yeah. governmental facilities into mountains and what we actually know about what goes on underground is probably about as much as what we know is what happens the ocean. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah, there's so much that's just uh, that's dark to us about mm-hmm. all of that. And having been in uh, the military, I've been in some of those underground locations, and they are absolutely massive. Uh, that what we've done, and I know that that's only a you know small fraction, right, of what we've done. Um, for your listeners and viewers, I would recommend them to go back to uh, your interviews with Clifford, because uh, he passed away almost two years ago, and yeah. had a wealth of knowledge that was lost when he passed. Yeah, you know, when I. My my first venture into uh that area, uh, Montezuma as well, I was trying to connect with him, uh, to you know, get his personal take on it. Because i 'cause I've I've met him before. So I'm trying to call him, trying to call him. And he wasn't answering, but that's because he of how ill he was. And yep. yeah. he passed away just a couple months uh after after that. So I re- I recommend your viewers and listeners going back to that. But um yeah, the our <laughs> Yeah, there's so much going on underground that we can't even really fathom. And people in different locations around the country, well, really around the world uh, in different spots, you know, they hear that hum
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they're wondering where the hum is coming from. Mm-hmm. And usually it's from some place underground that they're doing something down there and that vibration just emanates from out of the earth you know, to above ground, we're hearing it and we're like, where We can't find a source. And that's because they're doing something underground.
1: That's what you mm-hmm. think the cases are when people in different parts of the globe mm-hmm. are going, there's this weird noise because it happens yeah. all across mm-hmm. the world. Or, yeah. Right. I mean, people are like, we don't yeah. know what this noise is. It's been happening for days, weeks, months, sometimes years almost. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have to move <laughs> with misophonia, uh, you know, noises. Yeah, driving. I hear it here. Really? I hear it here. Yeah. Yep, interesting.
2: And there's uh in one location that I I lived at in Maryland, um it was Pasadena, Maryland, which is south of Baltimore. And I had somebody try to tell me one time, well, um it was from the Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Well, Aberdeen Proving Grounds are north of Baltimore. I'm not going to hear it from that. I mean, for me to be able to hear, and this is it was a very very loud bang, and we'd hear it periodically there. It'd be like it would totally rock the city of Baltimore <laughs> if that was the case. Wow, um, but. Yeah. On occasion, we'd just you know, be hanging out. You know, maybe we're in the living room watching TV or maybe we're outside and all, boom, what the heck is that? We would laugh uh, and make a joke of it. Like, oh, the, uh, uh, they blew something up over at the meth house across the street or <laughs> <you> know, whatever. <laughs> wow. But, um, this, this one morning I was in bed and, um, I was just really starting to wake up and, um, Right outside uh, the window, it was a very large front yard, uh, there was the uh, electrical pole. And I heard this massive boom. It sounded like the transformer on the electrical pole had exploded. And so, you know, I go to the window, I'm looking around, you know, I'm looking for smoke, you know, anything, because it was right there. There were people coming outside onto the street, looking up, looking around, what's going on. It was it's one of these phantom explosions.
0: Yeah. What is that? Yeah. They've been recorded all over what was the one in Russia that was a couple years ago that or or maybe it was Ukraine. Where me, yeah. They me were recording thoughts. audio for hours and hours and hours, and you just hear this it's almost like repetitive. Yeah. Every so often you would hear these boom yeah. and it and it hits
1: yeah well if it's resonating and actually causing almost like a physical disturbance too just because of the you know low impact drive mm-hmm. of it but I was wondering like so is it if one if you're recording it and getting actual audio that's one but two what if you know there's like a shared audible Everybody's disturbance hearing. for you know a Everybody's group of it. people yeah. or like say the Havana syndrome stuff you know where people are like we're hearing these noises or frequencies inside but it you know it wasn't annoying like yeah. So I'm wondering you know I'm not discounting that it could happen or that it does happen but there's some phenomena try to explain it away sometimes but I think there's a lot of covert things that happen where they're like what are you talking about what what noise yeah. who blew up what you know which again you have to to keep things you know covert and secret enough to keep them safe and uh you know keep our secrets safe but I think there's a lot underground uh, I don't even want to go into the Denver International Airport. Let's just leave that <laughs> I don't one think alone. We should. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it alone. We'll it leave popped it alone. It's too far. But yeah.
0: Mike, I really want to get back to time travel yeah. in your book because Same. uh I think we could did some gra- covered a lot of groundwork of, you know, potentially what are these interdimensional beings? Is it connected to spirits and other right. paranormal activity? And how does all this stuff connect to time travel and time paradoxes? And, you know, people want to base everything they know off of time travel from back to the future. Well, you know, the paradoxes <laughs> of you never want to go talk to yourself is all that horse shit? I mean, <laughs> well, well, there's a lot of paradoxes. That. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, the whole the thing with the grandfather paradox um, was funny about that is, uh, you know, scientists will kind of laugh it off as well. You know, it's, um, you know, it's a storytelling gimmick for writers and, you know, it makes for fun sci-fi and all that. But in the, uh, in the 1980s, there was a Russian scientist, Nov uh, Novikov, Nav- I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Novachov, novakov Novikov, something. Like that. He came up with this uh, consistency principle. And basically what the principle stated was that, theoretically, time travel is possible. However, you could not, change anything while when you went back in time because then you would end up with a remainder when you did all the calculations would not equate back out to zero so he said you can time travel she can't change anything because the math needs to work out that's interesting so yeah so uh because of this there was a correspondence between uh Kip Thorne, a uh, renowned physicist, and uh, Joel Polchinski, another renowned physicist. Uh, Polchinski died a, a handful of years back. Kip Thorne's still around. He uh, he worked with uh, Christopher Nolan on Interstellar. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so Polchinski and Thorne are having this back and forth, back and forth. And Polchinski came up with this paradox to be able to disprove this consistency principle and what he fleshed out was he said take a a billiard ball you shoot a billiard ball through an einstein rosen bridge through a wormhole okay Okay, we're based off theory of relativity we can use this and the end of that uh wormhole the end of that einstein rosen bridge we're going to set up uh back behind it just at the right moment that when the billiard ball comes out of the wormhole that it will hit itself, the billiard ball, just before it enters that wormhole and knocks it off course. So it never enters the wormhole to begin with. So now you have this paradox of this billiard ball coming out of the wormhole and knocking itself off course. So it's not supposed to go in. So I'm looking at this as I'm writing my... Whoa, book. Whoa, 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 <laughs> this, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this, is, this is the grandfather paradox using a billiard ball. Sure. Instead of somebody going back in time and uh, killing their grandfather so they're never born, this is a billiard ball going back in time and knocking itself off course so it never goes into the wormhole. It's the same thing, just, but because it's a couple of physicists talking about it and we're using, you know, Einstein Rosen Bridge and a billiard ball, it's acceptable. Not acceptable if you're talking about dead grandfathers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've never, I've never heard
1: that. What uh, model used before? I like it.
0: Now, one other one that I have heard is you can only travel back in time to the point where the time machine was invented. Is there any what? validity to that? Because these. you can't really go backwards past. So, like for example, they the, they
2: use that with the uh, the idea of using a black hole to time travel. Okay like you could not um if the black hole was created um that would we'll, make sense. we'll say if the black hole was created a million years ago and you used that cuz black holes bend space and time and you used that to slingshot yourself back in time that you could only go as far back as to when the black hole was created so if you want to go see mm. the dinosaurs you're not going to mm. right again this is you know theoretical physics so yeah who knows
1: That makes a little more sense. I mean, I've never heard that. That, You've got a lot of good ones, and I've not heard a lot of these.
0: I love time travel, man.
1: I well, he mentioned Interstellar. I I think that 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 was just (laughs) yeah. For me, visually speaking, to just show the representation of time as a construct instead of just our you know thinking about it on our watch as our seconds tick by and you know they're gone, that it's actually this. 3D structure you can jump in and out over you know like this these beings might crawl out of it like a can like the grand can you know to them might be time like it's just really interesting because again that that goes to one we have a tough time wrapping our head around just these concepts two trying to wrap our heads around if they're a non-human intelligence like there are so many steps that we have to get to to be able to start really unpacking a lot of this that um you know with with what's going on with the disclosure movement right now and and that's kind of Hit a the highest boiling point I've seen in my lifetime so far. That um, you know, hopefully we're on that edge. But you wonder sometimes because it is a lot of information that we talk about this subject a lot. My
0: my brain is so puny what? I can't even. Right, it's so. But you hard. try. But I try. try
1: my hardest. My question is, I mean, for the average bear out there that doesn't really ponder on these things and just you know doesn't. Either a want to or have the time to, or it's just not their cup of tea. If it's foisted upon them, like, hey, here it is today, and here we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to start learning a lot of different information now about the universe and what's going on in it, not just our planet and our country and our county and whatever. What do you think that looks like? How do we unroll something like that if that's really going to ever occur? Time travel? No. Can we unpack that or? Not time travel. If there is a. We have to come to terms with the fact that there either is a a time traveling non human intelligence out there, or if it is us, how do we as the people of this earth and planet today? And again, like I said, we three enjoy this subject matter, mm-hmm. but for anyone that doesn't or say they don't even care, it's just not in their wheelhouse. But one day they're going to have to acknowledge like it does happen, right? Let's just run that theorem. What do you think that looks like on a broad scale for people that have either, A, poo-pooed it their whole life and not really bought into any of it? Or just, again, they just don't look up at the sky and wonder at all. They're just, I'm worried about, you know, getting groceries or whatever it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. um, You know, honestly, I think a lot of people are still going to be kind of nonplussed about it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at what we're doing right now with, uh, with UFOs. I mean, that, okay, now we're having congressional hearings about it. And, you know, we have government officials that are discussing it. And so it's become a much bigger deal. We basically have officially, those of us that have been <laughs> in the field for a long time are like, you yeah, know, we've been talking about this. But now we have uh, officially said that, yeah, yeah, there's things that are going on in the skies that we can't explain. And most of the public was, okay yeah you know? so right. i think kind of the same thing when you say you know well you know well no there's there's time travelers i think most people because a, a lot of humans uh, uh, they're very busy in their lives they have a, a other they're trying to pay the bills you mm-hmm. know they're going to work paying the bills exactly. put food on the table that sort of thing so the idea that there's time travelers out there uh, they might kind of like oh okay and and move on, you know, with their lives. I don't think that there's going to be um, an aha moment. Yeah. Like the whole UFO thing for a long time, people are saying there's going to be this mass panic and, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, people are going to lose their faith and all this stuff. Yeah. And we're not seeing that happen right now. So I think the same thing with, with time travel, there are going to be some people like us that are very, very interested in it. Um, You'll have, you'll have a small, Section of people that might have some outrage or something like that, but I think the general masses are still going to continue what the general masses do.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, I agree. I, I mean, think of the scene in Contact where the the first uh, uh, device gets blown up by the uh, is it Jake Busey mm-hmm. the the he's very the religious zealot he blows up the first yeah, mm-hmm. time travel capsule and yep. then Jody Foster gets that the to other go day too. Did you? Uh, <laughs> I did yeah. not know that my, Carl my fiance Sagan hadn't had seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah, she hadn't seen it yet. You know, like, oh, we got to watch this. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, so good! What a great film. But yeah, it was a good film. To that end, you know, it, I think if we got to that step of, again, that's where I think I'm getting more to is not even just the fact that, oh yeah, they're out there. Maybe there's non-human intelligence. I'm more on the like they've landed at the White House, or we're going to have to have a news camera display of like, hey. We're not alone, and they are here, and they're going to – like, at that point,
0: I think when we get to that inflection point, you think people people will just be like, no problem? I think they'll just be like, yeah, I already knew that. We already knew that, right? (sighs) People will – I think just
1: because we revolve these doors a lot, we feel that way. I think for a lot of people that don't go this route or don't want to – it's going to be eye opening in that. I fact. just don't well, think
0: they'll.
2: Fact. Yeah, if if you had if you had a UFO land on the White House lawn and you know you had the yeah ETs I go walk extreme out, that sort of thing. It. Yeah, yeah, um, that is going to you're going to get a lot of news coverage with that, and yeah, people are going to be watching it. But again, I think it's going to be a, a small sect of people that are going to go off the deep end with it. Yeah, um, I think you're going to have a lot of enthusiasts. You know, the the ones that are. Um, you know, like in Independence Day, they're getting up on the you know, right. top of the roof and they're like, take me to your leader, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Um, you'll have a, a, a section of people like that. I think most people are going to be in the middle, kind of like interested um, watching and then others that are just going to be um, kind of, okay, that's cool, kind of figured, uh, you know, and again, go back to my life. But it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it will garner a lot of news coverage, of course. Man, that's not going to happen, but- it's fun to think about. That's where I go
1: with it. Just at one point sometime, we're going to have to run all these out, all these thought processes, or there's nothing yeah. out there. Or, you know, like you said, in 5 billion years when the sun gets to its solar maximum, then we're done. You know, everything's cooked and we've got to get out of here anyway. So, uh, right. you know, there's this long timetable of looking at things to where, like you said earlier in the in the episode – we're talking on scales of hundreds of thousands of years or a couple millions. millions. Yeah. It, you know,
2: which yeah, brings- but we ha- we do have to look toward the future. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. when we shut down some of the space programs and what have you, it was, it was really kind of discouraging. You know, okay, fun. I have a fascination with the stars and astronomy and exploring the cosmos. But, uh, you know, when it comes to humanity at some point, we do need to look beyond. Yes. It's far in the future. It, colonizing the solar system or out into another galaxy. It's not going to happen in our lifetimes. But we need to start setting the building blocks so that future generations can do it because they are eventually going to have to do it.
0: Agreed. Yep. Totally agree. You know, one thing that I always get so confused on is, and I've had a lot of experiences with the nature of time breaking down at certain moments where you sure. kind of have these almost like a slip of consciousness where you do feel like they're being in the present moment. You know, the, the Buddhas, people that meditate understand this, of mm-hmm. being in the present moment and not having a sense of time. What is it? Time. Yeah. Is it just a perception? Is there actually time? What is the nature of it? Yeah, it—
2: Time is the way that we perceive our reality. Uh, you know, again, time doesn't really exist. We, we've invented this concept of time to help describe our, our reality. You know, We use it to keep track of the seasons, when to plant the crops, when to show up at work at the right moment so our bosses don't get upset with us, when to catch the bus, that sort of thing. Um, We're kind of bound by these rules of the system. So when we talk like the river of time, well, it's not, you know, the river, the water that's making that river flow. It's the banks that's holding the water in place to make it flow. If you remove the banks, everything spills out and Mm. it's all there. It's all concurrent. So there's rules in place uh, for this system to make it seem it's linear, but it's really not. Um, Yeah, I believe that when we experience real time travel, that it is going to be more of the consciousness that, uh, you know, enter into a meditative state and be able to move in and out of uh, these different moments. You know, if each moment in that stack of time resonates at a different frequency, then it's a matter of trying to uh, tune into that specific frequency, so to speak. And I the people that have reached that deep meditative state with the intention to do so are able to do that um it happens inadvertently when we sleep people that have uh premonitions while they're while they're dreaming they wake up and a you know a week later all of a sudden the exact thing that they dreamt about happens well yeah, that was a form of time travel while they were asleep. it was a type of meditative state and I know that at some point you wanted to talk about, Uh, doppelgangers, and I believe that is also a type of time travel incident.
0: Oh, boy. I mean— I'm just holding back. Okay. You go. You believe that the doppelganger phenomenon, we've talked—that's been one of my almost like— how I've tried to describe it, so we've had a gentleman on, Thomas Johnson. He owns the rock shop that's right down the road from Serpent Mound. It's the alternate universe rock shop. He's a trilobite expert, fossil hunter, just amazing guy. And um, he's a full-on carnival. A lot involved. of paranormal experiences within the Serpent Mound crater. Dom, uh, Tom has some incredible doppelganger stories that he's told on our show and essentially, his house very being, good ones, being yeah. built by a Freemason, um, being set up within this kind of mathematical, geometric...
1: Energy trapping. Yeah.
0: And the house across the street also being very old, and which is now a Dollar General. They're having all kinds of Just weird
1: fairly incidents paranormal. there.
0: Um, mm-hmm. But with my sense of Tom's house, his property... The ley lines from the crater yeah. and Serpent Mound being right down the road, that there's just this high st- probability of high strangeness. Like an energy vortex that of some kind. Where he's either seeing himself in the past. Or someone is seeing Tom in the past or they're seeing Tom in the future because, hey, you were just down by the rock pile. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was right here in the shop. No, but I just saw you down there. No, no, I was right here. Yeah, it's 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 probably what's happening. Numerous cases. Can you dive into that a little bit more because this is a hot-button
1: topic here. Yeah, I love doppelgangers. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of stories that I like to tell
2: with this. So, you know, if you look up uh, top doppelganger cases, just Google that and you'll you'll find uh, the famous German poet Goethe. You'll find his story there. And, you know, of course, doppelganger means double walker in German. You have all this like legend and lore, evil twins and uh, or, you know, entities are trying to mimic you and do something nefarious. And I think it's just because the people of the time didn't understand what was really going on. So one day. You know, Goethe's walking toward Dressenheim. And he tells his story in his work, Diktung and Wahrheit* or Poetry and Truth. He's walking down the road, heading to Dressenheim. He's having an affair with a young woman. He's lost in his thoughts. You know, kind of like today we say we're zoning out, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Driving down the road, we zone out, we miss our exit. Turn around, go back. So he's kind of in that same mode at that time. All of a sudden he notices on the side of the road there's this... Man in a gold-trimmed gray suit. Turns to get a better look at the guy, and all of a sudden, poof, disappears. What the heck was that? Oh, it, it, very curious about it. Can't do anything about it because the guy disappeared, but, whoa, you know, very startling. But he takes note of it, continues on his way to Dresdenheim. couple years later, he's on that same road, ro- walking in the opposite direction, away from Dresdenheim. And he's you know, coming up on that spot where, you know, he had that incident, especially remember, Oh yeah, this is where I had, you know, I saw that guy and he disappeared and he looks down at himself. Oh my gosh. I was the guy in the gold trimmed gray suit. Cause I'm wearing that right now. No, but... what? <laughs> yeah. So he'd actually seen himself at another point in time. So the question is, okay, how, how did that happen? How did that work? And I think it's because he was lost in his thoughts he was zoning out. It was a, it's a type of meditative state. Uh, and, and we enter into that type of meditative state all the time. Like I said, we're driving. We don't go into full meditative state. Otherwise we tra- crash the car, but you know, we do it while we're driving, mowing the lawn, washing the dishes, whatever. It's a type of meditative state. And I think when he had entered into that state, he had tuned into his own energy at another point in time in that location, got a glimpse of it. And then when he noticed Uh, The gentleman, which turned out to be himself, you know, and he turned to get a better look. He broke that meditative state and the guy seemingly disappeared.
1: Makes sense. Totally makes sense. It does make sense. I mean, it's it's just such a a wild explanation that you would think like, man, oh, that was me. Like,
0: but to also. Think about it with Tom. The veil is thin in that area. Yeah. So, you know, if in Tom being who he is and the area and maybe he's. But the thing is with Tom is other people are seeing him.
1: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, he's not seeing his own doppelganger. It's other people going, "Hey, what are you doing in here? You're outside," and he's like, "No, I'm in here manning the shop." Like, what do you mean? (laughs) My jaw was just um, dropped. I was like, "I can't believe you have all these doppelganger stories, and we just did not know this." Yeah, old Norse mythology called those Vardigers. I had a
2: woman from Turkey that had contacted me a while back, and you know she had. Uh, reported that there was this one day where she had walked into the house, her husband's on the phone and he's like freaking out, like, wait a minute, you just came into the house and went upstairs. He said, you're going to go take a shower. And, you know, he's, he was on the phone the whole time. And even his buddy on the phone was like, yeah, I heard you tell her that, you know, uh, crazy stuff like that. A friend of mine, um, here in Ohio, uh, her name's Meg. And she has a, uh, a book that she's written at a house that she had lived in that was very haunted. And one of the stories that she tells about this uh is she had woken up <clears throat> at night one time when uh she was um because she was a teenager, she had heard something going on out in the kitchen, and her her mom was supposed to be at work. So she was like, Oh, you know, maybe you know, mom got home. Is she goes out to to take a look and she walks into the uh the kitchen. And her mom wasn't in the kitchen at the time, but all of a sudden she walks in through the door from the, I guess the garage was back there, from the garage into the kitchen. And there's her mom, and she remembers it was like her her favorite sweater and a pair of jeans. And her mom sees her there and all of a sudden, kind of gets really wide-eyed, freaks out, and f- runs off down the hall to her bedroom. So Meg chases after her, you know, gets to the bedroom door. It's closed. She opens it and there's her mom laying in bed and she's like in a nightgown or whatever. She wakes up her mom, mom, you know, know, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you laying in bed? She's like, Oh, I wasn't feeling well at work, came home early and, and went to sleep. So she saw what You know, she was calling a doppelganger of her mom and when she told me the story. I'm like, this to me sounds more like a time slip incident that, you know, when you saw your mom, it was at a different point in time. And apparently she saw you because she reacted to you and maybe because you're still a kid at the time. You were at a different age, you know, than whatever time frame that that visage of the mom was occurring in
1: and she freaked out and ran off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Uh, all of that just made my blood run cold. Yeah. I got chills when you're, like, the lady sleeping. I'm like, wow, my God. And here, here's the thing, too. Like, I was not really hip or aware of doppelganger stories necessarily, other than the, oh, hey, Mike, you know, there was somebody that kind of looked like you. The they airport. could have been you, yeah, you right. know, not the, yeah. hey, there was somebody that was definitely you. I know it was you. Talked to
0: him. And then you.
1: you disappeared or whatever. And it's like those were new to me just a couple of years ago. So I've really gotten into them now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like celebrity look-alike no, sort of stuff. No. We hmm. mean exact. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We and and the- I know
2: you guys are, uh, are, are filmmakers and I had, um, and I've done a lot of that sort of stuff as well for my YouTube channel and all that, but mm-hmm. I was getting, uh, too overwhelmed with all the different things in my place. So I had hired somebody out to do, uh, some of those videos. And so I, I put out a doppelganger one and talking about some of these different stories and for the intro piece, they did the whole celebrity lookalike thing. And it's like, did you even watch the content oh, of this It's
1: nothing on celebrity lookalikes. Oh. Right, right. Because it is, it's so easy to misconstrue that. You're like, oh, doppelgangers. And some people are like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. And you're like, that's f- the scariest thing I've ever heard of. And they're yeah. like, what's so scary about somebody kind of looking like you? It's like, you don't know what doppelganger I'm speaking
0: of. We're about talking here. about the right. doppelganger phenomenon. Doppelganger's got a doppelganger. Yeah. The phenomena right. of doppelgangers. Phenomena. Not just somebody looking like somebody. Right. But this strange and time yeah. travel. As they say in Thailand, same, same, but different doppelgangers. He, Mike's putting together yeah. a big piece for me because that's the time slip part oh, of I Tom's see. experience. Yeah. Like, that's sure. what I've been toying with, like I said. I like to think about mm-hmm. these things, but my brain is so puny <laughs> that when it gets down to physics and, and quantum physics and, and these kind of things, yeah. I can kind of grasp it. And and when I hear so many great stories, I can put some little things together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, time travel, sound, resonant frequency, these things I think is, is the... Untapped potential of technology that we're getting ready to discover right now is sound vibra- vibrational, r- harmonic, resonant frequencies, and you know you hear that these time travel machines or these UAPs that they create this hum. There's always a sound, and so I always wonder if if you know number one has a time machine and in, been invented. Or like you said, Mike, is it something where it's inside us where we're looking inward to be able to time travel in a meditative state? Or do you think a machine that has some sort of vibrational resonant frequency has been invented already?
2: Yeah, I'm more of the school of thought that is going to be more us than a machine. You know, our our theoretical physicists, when when we they talk about it and say, well, yeah, we could build a machine, but you know, you'd have to harness all the energy of the sun and put it into the machine mm-hmm. to make this work. And it's like, okay, so we'd annihilate the planet trying to make that idea work. Or they go with the whole black hole idea, you know, slingshot yourself around a black hole, which, you know, we're not even close to enough to a black hole to be able to reasonably get to at this point. Mm-hmm. And the other one, even if you don't, you know, accidentally slip, past the event horizon or a loss forever, the gravitational force is so strong that you'll go through a process that they call spaghettification. So it's going to stretch you out your craft in you like a string of spaghetti, which will essentially kill you. So it's not really feasible, uh, at least those couple of ideas that they've, they've given us. Um, Yeah, I think it's more of a more of a I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie uh, Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour back in 1980. And he essentially, uh, you know, wills his consciousness from 1980 back to 1912. He clears out his, uh, room of all modern accoutrements. He dresses himself, uh, in the era and essentially, you know, is feeding himself subliminal messages that, you know, he is actually in the Grand Hotel in 1912 and basically tricks his mind into believing that he is, uh, in that era. And sure enough, he goes back, um, and what ends up breaking that is, uh, some of the coinage that he had kept on him um you know so he went to a uh a store got some old coins so he had the money on them and, and that sort of thing so he could pay for things while he was there but he had accidentally kept a penny from 1980 in his pocket and once he saw that it broke that again we talked about being a meditative state it wow. broke that meditative state because mm. he's like oh shoot i'm actually from 1980 and and lost that and the story was developed by uh it was written by richard matheson uh, it was a novelization 1st Bid Mid-Time Return, and then became the movie Somewhere in Time. And uh, he references a lot of books about time that had already been published uh, during that era. So um, in the novelization, he had, in, in the movie, he has his uh, character uh, go to the library to do some research. Uh, but he doesn't check out the time travel books. He checks out other things on this woman that he's trying to, to find. In the novelization, he uh, one of the things that he researches is time and the specific books that Matheson had re- researched himself. For developing this story, he actually lists out there, so like "Man in Time" by J.B. Priestley and and some others, and so you can actually go and and get those books and and read them. And uh, so he he based his ideas of this uh, mode of time travel on these principles of time that other researchers had already uh, dove into.
0: Man, that's fantastic! I need to check out that film. Never heard of it. Yeah, I've never heard. of it. Sounds really intriguing. I like by. that.
1: I mean, it makes me think of like uh, the 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 balancing act of like say lucid dreaming. You know, when you get in the dream, mm-hmm. and then the moment you know you, if you don't do it a lot, or if you have done it before, it's like the moment you become aware. It's kind of like, it, boom! I'm awake. Up. Like you know, yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to, and it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's your alarm. You know, cranking, and you got to wake up and get out yeah. of bed. And it's so interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I, I think Mike had made mention of it, um, and just with kind of the context of the conversation, we talked about, you know, uh, just our our ability, our power, our psyche inside of this three-dimensional body, but with that kind of ability that we're living in the fourth dimension in that time sphere, we're trapped in this third dimension reality of our bodies. but premonitions telekinesis you know uh, uh psychic abilities do you have any kind of research on that or any kind of uh work that you've done or, or explored that along in tangent with the time travel and stack time theory
2: yeah um, I, I talk about that uh in my book i have a chapter in travels through time on dreams and premonitions and we talked a little bit earlier about um you know when you're in your when you're dreaming, when you're in those different brainwave states that, um, you actually can travel to another point in time. This is where we have those premonitions and things like that. Uh, ESP is kind of along the same line. You're actually, you know, getting a vision of another point in time. So in a sense, your consciousness is traveling to that moment to get a glimpse of that and be able to watch it play out. And some, you know, fascinating stories that I've included there within the text of, of how that works. And it's in some cases it makes you also question, okay, am I getting a a glimpse of, you know, an absolute future or am I getting a glimpse of a possible future maybe even alternate timeline sort of thing? Um, so like one of the examples I, I give is, um, you know, this, uh, This woman has a dream about, and this is back in the day, but she has a dream of, um, she's basically there with some friends, Uh, they're camping and they're by a creek and all that. And uh, she's doing laundry at the creeks. Who does laundry at the creek these days, right? (laughs) Um, And she had put like the baby down to go grab whatever the heck it was. And in the dream, the baby drowns. Well, she and when she woke up, she's like, oh, okay, you know, the baby's, baby's live in the crib, all that, fine. Well, sure enough, some months later, she and her friends had gone camping with the kids and all that stuff, went to go down to the creek to do some laundry. And she was about to put the baby down to go grab whatever the heck it was. And then she remembered the dream. So, was the dream a warning? Was it a glimpse of a possible future? because you know, the whole thing was playing out
1: precisely right. until that moment mm. right yeah well as someone that's had a not I won't say that many experiences with it but enough deja vu experiences of feeling almost like when you get to them you're just like you get that feeling it's almost like every sense in your body goes off and you're like you feel like something <laughs> is just about to happen. And the only thing I can ever say is I've just tried to keep myself to, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. If there is something that's supposed to happen, if I'm supposed to—I just try to go to whatever feels like I'm going to be safe in that moment. Like, I've never had a deja vu while driving. It's, you know, yeah. it's seeing something in my office or, or so hearing a song or, or a smell or this or that, and it sets it off, and you're like, wait a minute. <clears> I feel so strongly like I have been at this exact moment before.
0: It's well freaking me out. Remember— uh Uh, mutual friend, we had Ryan Singer from Me and Paranormal You on the stand-up con. I I heard that you were on his show. Yeah, Uh, I was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we just had him on. That's awesome. We we had uh, Ryan on, and in the middle of the episode, he started getting deja vu Oh, yeah. So hardcore. Oh, yeah. And for like an entire minute, it's still going on. It's like I've never met (laughs) you guys in person. (laughs) You got fairly wide-eyed and excited. Uh I've never been on this show or on your set. We had him in studio because Ryan was uh, living in Dayton. Um, I think he's moving back to L.A. soon. But uh, anyways, so he just drove down and we had him in studio. So it was a great time. We got Mm -hmm. to hang out, kick it. Um, But, you know, it was really weird that – we live on air. We've never had somebody <laughs> had deja vu. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, you got pretty charged yeah. up off of that one. <laughs> I can imagine you did.
2: Um, yeah, there's a couple of different ways we can look at deja vu. Um, you know, and I do believe we are getting some sort of glimpse of, of the future when that happens. So we mentioned you know, dreams before. Well, you know, a lot of times when we dream and we all do this, you, know, you don't quite remember all of your dream, right? Right. Yeah. You, know, you wake up from a fascinating dream and you're, you know, telling a friend or a loved one and you're like, this happened. And then this, and Oh, wait, was it that, or was it, you start to lose it. Right. So that's why they always say, you know, if you want to keep track of your dreams, you know, wake up, write it down immediately in a yep. dream journal, cause you're going to lose it. And sometimes we lose practically all of it, um, And every once in a while, when we have those deja vu moments, I think that's like a little, just a little fragment of that dream that has stayed with you. And so when you enter that moment, you're like, this is really familiar. And it's, you know, a fragment from a dream, which still, you know, is a type of premonition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Another way to look at deja vu is, um, so we talked stack time theory earlier. So. All moments are there concurrently wherever you're at. Well, if you are one that believes in reincarnation, that you come into this world and you live a life, you pass away and you come back, you live another life and so forth. Well, that would mean with stacked time. Yes, every single one of your lives is here concurrently, wherever. And I think it's, you know, we're projecting in from the beyond to here and we're living out all these different lives concurrently. So the deja vu could very well be that you at one point in time and you at another point in time are actually inhabiting the same space at the exact same moment. And you're like, wait a minute, this seems really familiar.
0: Mm. Maybe it's because you, you are there right now, but in another life. Oh, cow. See, that makes more sense to me than anything I've heard. That makes a lot. That really, really resonates with me. I mean, I've always either felt like, oh, this feels like a dream that I kind of had. But then other times you're like, no, this wasn't anything like any dream I've ever had. This is something completely different. Yeah. That you are somehow syncing up with a different version of yourself on one of these alternative timelines. Um, And if anybody's ever watched the uh, series Loki, that whole show is about Loki destroying the strands of time. As all these Lokis keep causing havoc in other timelines, the timelines split and they start going off into this whole destructive – and then that one splits and then that one splits. So the whole organization of these – Time police, essentially, that are constantly tracking people down like Loki that are just completely blowing these timelines. Hmm. And so what do you think about that? Are we on some kind of trajectory where, like, if I decided to come five minutes late today to the studio, something could have completely shifted my reality are we always taking these kind of fork in the road god moments? i hope not
1: i'm gonna have to really get yeah, on and, time. I mean, and i have a i have a hard time with yeah. that one
2: actually yeah. um uh, because you know if if every single decision that we make splits off another timeline then we're we would have an infinite number of different timelines being mm-hmm. spawned off every day. So like me just taking, you know, deciding to lift up this water bottle, that split off another timeline. Right. I, I I find that a little hard to believe. But and some people have tried to put rules on top of it. Like, well, it's some of the more, you know, bigger, more significant uh yeah. events like, you know, getting married or buying a new house or, you know, something like that. And it's like, well, th- who makes those rules? And what if me Um, you know, buying that car, maybe it's a significant thing for, for me, but you know, what, what about all these other little insignificant things like, okay, um, I decide to cross the street, not a big deal, but what if me crossing the street at that particular moment causes this car over here to slow down for a moment to allow me to cross the street But that screwed up that car's timing to get into this other intersection and they got into an accident over there. Not a big Mm -hmm. deal for me to cross the street at that moment as I decided, but it's a big deal for the other person because they ended up getting into a car accident. So, again, who would Mm -hmm. make the rules in in that case? Um, So I have a hard time uh, with with that particular idea. Mm -hmm. But I do have... um, since we were talking uh about deja vu and everything, there there is a third option okay. for, for deja vu. And it's actually not as supernatural in, in nature, it's a little bit more scientific. So um there's this idea that you know we may retain our uh ancestors' memories within our DNA, that as long as whatever it was happened before the conception of like if it's our you know grandfather before as long as it happened before the conception of your mother or father then that genetic marker would be put in place so if some ancestor down the line will say i don't know we'll throw scotland you know you had ancestors from scotland they had whatever things happen in their lives as long as you know something significant or they're at a location or whatever happened before the begetting of, you know, the, the other ancestors, then that genetic marker has a opportunity to be a part of you. Sometimes we inherit traits from our ancestors, sometimes we don't, or skips generations, kind of all, it, it's kind of ones and zeros, what gets turns on, what gets turned off. Good point. So um, some of these deja vu moments, like, okay, we walk into this castle in Scotland, you know, oh my gosh. Mm. This seems really familiar. I swear I've been here before. This is the first time I've been to Scotland. How is that? And it could be because one of your ancestors was there, had a significant experience, and set that genetic marker there that ended up getting passed down to
0: you.
1: That's a great answer. That's a great answer.
0: But I felt that at Stonehenge. I felt that when I went to Chichen Itza. I, I felt that when I went to Chaco Canyon. I literally felt that way when I visited those places, and yeah. then years later when I took a DNA test, yeah. I found out that genetically tied to these places that I visited in the past, and especially Stonehenge. I mean, there was like a barrier that we walked into where I immediately – it was like wow. a hard line walking through a magnetic barrier where all of a sudden I started feeling, this is so familiar, hmm. And just it, something about it was felt home. Um, it's weird. There you go. But epigenetics, I think, is what, what yeah. they call that. Yeah, epigenetics. There you go. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, you always hear, you know, so if you're, anybody's looked into shamanism or has looked into Native American spirituality, you know, the a big thing is your ancestors are always with you. Maybe they right. really are.
1: Maybe that's what they mean right. by it in a certain way. Is right. That epigenetics <laughs> of it, hey, they mm-hmm. are with you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Never thought of it that way. That's like making me think of stacked time as a person. Like, you know, you're stacking the time in you and your DNA. <laughs> yeah. And, and what is kind of crazy about that,
2: of course, with the idea of reincarnation and all that, what if you are one of your own ancestors?
0: <laughs> wow. wow. What if so? Wow, the grandfather paradox and all that just rushed through my head. I'm like, wait, trying to do the calculations of all of that just hurt my head. <laughs> 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 and you never, Bub was taken off guard. Usually, his ADD brain is like right there with you. But you snapped him. <laughs> broke no, you've got you've got a, you've got a number fun. of good ones.
1: <laughs> you've got a number of good ones, Mike. That really, you know, I like to think we're fairly well versed in being able to have these kind of like rubber band experiments of you know really stretching mm-hmm. our minds. And even what you were just saying a moment ago with the uh, you know well choice A leads to parallel universe B, and then you know me turning on the light switch leads to. I get with you. I'm that's. Mm-hmm. a lot to take in. Maybe again, yeah. though, maybe that's where we go. Maybe we're not able to get it. But What if that really is? I mean, I, I have to go with both ways on it because I think finite and I think infinite, right? Like neither mm-hmm. of them makes sense to me, but I have to accept that either one of them is going to happen probably, right? Either I die and everything's finite or I die and everything's infinite, which I still can't grasp either of those. So I still can't – that's one of the biggest things I struggle with is I think that is an eventuality of – there really is only in a binary sense too, zero or one there. Either everything is zero or everything's going to be one there. I I don't get it and that really trips me up.
2: Right. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of things uh, about this universe that just really still is – it's beyond human comprehension. We try and we're trying to make sense of it and we have been. Uh, For thousands of years, trying to make sense of it all. And I don't know if we're ever really going to. Maybe when we pass away, we'll get some glimpse of that and a better understanding. Maybe not. Maybe we'll we'll be even more in the dark. I don't know.
0: Everything just Uh, goes black. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, there really right. is yeah. nothing. Boy, wouldn't that be a letdown? Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, like be in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of would be for me. I mean, what well, was like hearing uh, all I the inner to... work I've done over the years to just like go into nothingness would be like, damn.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, like a nice, just relaxing nothingness. But that I was, was listening to uh, Graham on uh, an interview again the other day, Hancock, right? And he was mm-hmm. talking about how. It almost sounds excited. Like, certain people almost sound excited. Like, yeah, well, you know, I've been here. Like, not saying I'm trying to rush it, but when it happens, right. you know, I'm to excited to figure out what is going to happen. Like... To me, that is the ultimate, like, what's behind door number one or two or three, whatever door you pick. But, you know, we're going to exist here and appreciate all this time and what you're experiencing and what you're taking in, but also prep your mind. I mean, I'm not Egyptian, but I'm not taking anything with me necessarily, but I want to prep my mind. You know, if there is a remainder of consciousness that we go forward with, I might need these faculties that I build up here. You know, I might really need to pack my, my, myself before uh, going away. So, you know, really soaking up life and and knowing uh, as much as we can.
2: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I try to say is that um, one of the reasons that I believe we're here, because everybody's going why, why, why? Well, sure. I think we are again, really going to understand the grand concept of it while we're here. But in the meantime, you know, let's love each other. Let's help each other out. And the knowledge that we gain you know, let's pass it on to others. Humanity finds itself in these terrible cycles. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the knowledge that I've gained, you know, and I pass it on to somebody else, uh, hopefully, you know, they'll pick up the mantle and keep it going so that we don't fall into the cycle again. But, um, but yeah, as, as we get older, yeah, don't want to rush it. Uh, but it's one I, I think to, I always think to, you know, Bilbo Baggins at the very end of, Lord of the Rings at the end of Return of the King and he's like I think I'm ready for another adventure mm-hmm. yep. It's like the only thing he
1: hasn't done yet right <laughs> yep 100% yeah. well that's what they're doing yeah. when they get on that ship right you know that yeah. right mm-hmm. they're, they're basically passing over into yeah. what elvish yeah. heaven or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it whatever theological Row you want to put it in, but I didn't realize that until I watched what was the Rings of Power. The Ring of, the when Galadriel's yeah, supposed of power, to go, yeah. and she comes back. I yes. had no idea that that boat was basically yeah. well, Bilbo gone and it was like off, but it, I had to, to your point, yeah,
0: because she's fighting to get off the ship when it's yeah. when it's going back into the the heavenly plane where everything's golden. Like I really enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't enjoy that series I on Amazon, series. but they kind of open up the whole show with that concept and it's just like, Whoa. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting show and I can understand, you know, having you look at my bookshelf back there, I have several different sets of Lord of the Rings. Oh, i got yeah. the whole history of middle earth back there. I'm a, I'm a big Tolkien fan. Love it. Love um, it. So I understand why the, you know, real core hardcore fan base uh, was upset because it's, Probably a different interpretation. Well, for for one, it's, it's stuff Tolkien never wrote, and there exactly. was such right. a, a legal struggle with what they can talk about and what they can't cover, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so people were liking you know, it. Well, this is like, you know, Middle Earth fan fiction, mm-hmm. and in some senses, it is. But you know, I appreciated that you know we got to see aspects of Middle Earth that we really hadn't before, like the creation of Mordor and, and things like that. You know, we got to see, like you mentioned, you know, the, the passing over into, into Valinor. I mean, sure. If you read the Silmarillion, you get that idea, uh, you know, of how that works, but you know, how many people who have, you know, watched the movies and enjoyed them had really any idea of what that was. They didn't. So we got to, you know,
0: see an interpretation of it. So I appreciate that. And aesthetically it was beautiful. beautiful. And the music, oh, I listen to some of the music just on Spotify all the time. Yeah, I played it for you yeah. out at the cabin yeah. that time. It's, it's great, such, uh, and you know you also got to see the beginning of of um, Gandalf the Grey and how he That's comes down in the so meteor. Great. Yeah, and for like what four episodes, we're going, is it Gandalf? Well, we really don't is know. Right. We yeah, don't right. really know. Is it Sauron? Yeah. is it sure? Because there's so many. Yeah, they they did
2: that really well, playing it back yes. and forth. You know, really up, up almost till the very end. Yes, um, until they like finally revealed, nope, this is Sauron. And you're like, oh. Yeah they, yeah, they played that pretty well, and and you get to see Numenor. You know, you've, mm-hmm. you know, it, we've heard about Numenor with uh, you know with Aragorn. They talked about you know his lineage and uh, great point. You mm-hmm. can see Isildur, and 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 those. So you get to see Numenor, which is essentially Tolkien's Atlantis. Yeah. Um, so somewhere along the way, we're going to see the fall of that, with, which I think will be interesting.
1: Oh my goodness, you have me
2: so and you excited! Get, for you get the next to see season.
0: the height of the uh, Inner Kingdom of of the uh the mountain of the dwarves. Oh yeah, when yeah, was, when they when, when they're it's are building full force and they discover the um the mines is that the uh, metal? That's, that's the when mines. they find the mithril. Yeah, yes, it's it's, it's Moria
2: before they
1: find the mithril. Yeah. Is it Moria? It's Moria. The it mines of Moria? Yeah. Mhm. Yep. It's not uh I'm thinking what's the other mine? What's the one from when they uh, in the Hobbit where they go to get Oh, that's um that's the Lonely Mountain. Lonely um, Mountain, the City of Ordenville. Dale, it's it's Erebor, Erebor, Erebor. Okay, yeah. so but it's not Erebor is. in in the not, uh, no. Okay, got you. Got you. Yeah, yeah that's one of mean. As we've talked, inner Earth and Glad you know, hollow Earth yeah. and cleared <laughs> no, up, definitely, definitely with the with the. all right we needed that. Yes. Definitely with yes, them getting and the into Balrog. There. You
2: know, what's in the depths of the Earth? The right, Balrog. right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, and that's another thing is you're you're finding out a lot more about Morgoth. I mean, you it was mentioned you know briefly with the. um with the Balrog uh, in Lord of the Rings, but I mean, he is like this—the central bad guy in the Silmarillion. So mm-hmm. it's nice that The Rings of Power is giving you uh, a glimpse into uh, into Morgoth and the destruction that he wrought, you know, before Sauron came to power. So yeah, you're getting a lot of that.
0: We could talk about Lord of the Rings. I, I know we to just say. totally geeked out on all all that. Yeah, that was awesome because <laughs> I didn't That's know totally that. So yeah. I'm,
1: Mm-hmm. I, have to, fan, I have yeah. to. I have
0: YouTube or Stoner, our uh, our producer and director. That's uh, he's. His name
1: a, is Stoner. Kyle. His Stoner. real name is yeah. Kyle Yeah, we have to Stoner. always cool. put an exclamation that. next to that. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: but his brain, yeah, he's Stoner. He's a genius. Um, but I'll either ask St- Stones Red everything Tolkien. You guys would definitely get along in this sense, but I always have to check well, with him. Uh, you know, here, as the a, series unfolded. Yeah.
2: Um, here's an interesting thing about Tolkien. We were talking before about, you know, frequency, resonance, vibration, um, even sound. So Tolkien in his writing, his creation of Middle Earth was with music. Mm -hmm. So it's like he was kind of giving us a glimpse of kind of the, the background of our own universe. You know, we talk about, you know, even like string theory, vibrating strings. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, vibration creates different waves that, you know, at some point, you know, would actually be audible if you have the right equipment to be able to pick up and and listen to it. So, he was onto something there. It, it's a work of fiction, but there are some principles that he includes within there.
0: Absolutely, and it does tie in with you know the word of God. And and on the first day, he he said so. It's always sound is always yeah. at the beginning of these origin stories. They're kind of slipping it in there. Um, but, you know, we've been just on a kick of cymatics and sound resonant yeah. frequency. And, you know, we had a, a high flute pro- player, a friend of ours, Amel Mel Michael, where she does these sound immersion therapies for people. Um, she's living oh, sure. in, in – yeah. and, and she did one for us live on air. And I was just completely – for a whole month – she did something. She knocked Kinda something. Kind
1: of cleansed your palate, your mental palate. She
0: knocked something loose in this studio, too. Yeah. We were just sitting here with headphones on. And all the people that were here that were watching it live were blown away. I had people hitting me up over that episode. Like, it didn't blow up into a viral. But anybody that saw that video in that episode was blown away. And just the the flute, uh, that the way that she's able to— to tap into something that is way beyond music, yeah, it's this yeah. harmonic resonant frequency and what it can do to your body, your chakras, um, and then you know using that in these ceremonies that she's able to help mm-hmm. um, lead down in Costa Rica, and that's kind of what she's doing is these uh, immersion therapies for people. Um, but you look at, you know, ancient writings of Egypt and are they talking about sound? And hmm. um, is this some kind of technology that we just don't have yet, but they're starting to really figure it out? Uh,
2: I think it's a rediscovery of technology. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you you Me look too. at um, – because you know, I do the tours out there in Egypt, the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour, uh, which we're doing again in April. And uh, Oh, my yeah, goodness. The, yeah, the access – that they had uh, into what they call Stargate, and you see a label; it's right there in plain sight: mm-hmm. Stargate, Stargate, sorry. And you know how how did they use those? How did they access the Stargate themselves? So um, you see the use of um, okay. So uh, the Temple of Dendara. Well, Hathor. Uh, okay, she's primarily known as a a healing goddess. Uh but she was also a goddess of music. Mm-hmm. And we see the depiction of Stargates in several locations uh throughout Dendara and you know other uh other locations as well. But they also um we'll see them use well, it looks like you know, white cakes, you know, they're handing a, a white cake, and uh these were many believe actually. White cakes of monatomic white gold. No oh boy. Yeah. Keep
0: which, going, Mike. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going down which, some rabbit holes with this lately. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Which I'm is, here for it.
1: I love it. Yeah, which
2: is really uh, fascinating. So uh, David Hudson had done some research on this back in the '80s because basically he came across the stuff on his his ranch. Uh, that he had. And so he, he's actually patented the process to be able to, um, uh, to be able to, to make it, but really kind of rediscovering a, a process. And it has some really, really interesting properties. Like you put this white gold and it's, it's a dust. It's, it's like powder. It's, it's not, you know, like your, your jewelry or, or what have you. Um, and you put it into a pan, you know, that you're, you know, weigh it on a scale or whatever. And all of a sudden it weighs less than without the powder in it. So it's almost like anti-gravity type properties. You heat it up to a a certain temperature and it disappears. And sure, we have different things that we can heat up different temperatures and, you know, it seemingly turns invisible. But um, one of the things that they would do in their uh, experiments with this is, you know, okay, if if it seemingly turns invisible and the product is still there, well, you can still manipulate it, you know, by stirring it with a spoon or something like that. And when you cool it back down, it will take the shape of what you stirred it into. Except with the monatomic white gold, heat it up, turns invisible or disappears. Take that spoon, stir it around, cool it back down, should be in the shape of whatever it got randomly stirred into, right? Nope, it's the exact same as before they had heated it up so then they start to question okay where did it go you know did it yes you know, they start questioning did it move on to another dimension by heating it up and if you look at or uh, listen to some of uh hudson's stuff he's he's done uh different e- events and seminars and that sort of thing you can find that stuff on youtube you know he talks about interdimensional travel he talks about you know the manipulation of time and these sorts of things so if the ancient Egyptians were ingesting this to go into a stargate, um, you know, was this some sort of catalyst that they were using to move into another dimension? Is that what activated this thing? You know, makes you wonder.
1: Yeah, it sure does. It's making me think of the yeah. spice <clears throat> melange of Dune and Arrakis and being oh, able to go. travel it's, yeah. throughout. It's very you know,
0: similar to monatomic monatomic mm-hmm. gold, Jesus, um, and this is so wild. This is the root of the Hermetica, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. The well, color
1: me interested because I never gave monatomic gold her- the time of day before. Well, it's it's, it's on my list now. You know,
0: you hear that people are trying to yeah, turn lead into yeah. gold. I didn't know anything. I just didn't it, understand. it. Really, I still the, really the base of it, it is monatomic white gold. It's not really gold that they're trying to create. Like what? I get know, it. What he? Yeah, but Mike was saying, yeah, mm-hmm. totally totally people make sense of now mistake like monatomic white gold like you said it's just a powder it's this it's dust energy
1: source or it's a travel medallion or some kind of token to interdimensional travel maybe who knows i mean it sounds very interesting or you know you heat it up it, and I it disappears i think it changes
2: yeah i think it changes your your frequency to well, put you into you know, we've talked about you know changing frequencies on the stack of time yeah uh, and that essentially is moving you through to be able to travel like that, right? Um, Again, okay, we're on the fourth dimension. Those above us, five, six, seven, everything is whole. It's all there. Mm -hmm. You can move about it freely. So what if ingesting this sets your body at the right frequency Mm -hmm. to be able to do that interdimensional travel to go to six, seven, eight, and then you can move in and about time as you see fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that or even incorporating it into spacecraft, you know. Turn on this thruster; it heats up the monoatomic gold. Now, you next thing you know, your craft is could be traveling. You know, yeah, is that tra- the fuel? Is that part of the fuel? Right. <laughs> or it right. sets. Um,
2: you know, we use okay. So, like in our our electronics, we use you know quartz a lot. Um, right. Timepieces, all that sort of thing. So, is
1: that in a sense the interdimensional version of quartz? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The piezo effect and. Uh, using yep. them in ultrasounds and it's it's really wild once you start going that's how that
0: works yeah we had a guest on that went on a whole rabbit hole of uh royal shungite and uh, russian shungite and putting it in as water and yeah. basically like antibacterial antimicrobial so, yeah. so you know properties of them it's minerals and crystal like there's strange things that they're it's capable of yeah. And people, you know, think crystals and all this stuff is cause some kind of woo woo thing. But why were ancient people so upset? Like Atlantis, you hear about these giant crystals and these flame keepers, mm. and they were responsible for keeping these giant flames that were all basically crystal based technology, that all of that technology, but it was sound and crystal technology together. Um, and that's all like Drunvalo deck kind of channeled weirdness, but well, again, it's if you're interesting. Trying to amplify, yeah,
1: well, amplify what, frequencies and stuff with say, crystals or something like that, right?
2: Well, yeah, and there's and you go into any of those uh, temples there in ancient Egypt and the The construction of the building can you know, vary. You know a lot of them are limestone. You might have some that are uh, some type of sandstone. they They seem to they all have like some granite that's incorporated within. But one thing they all have that is the same throughout every single one. That threshold when you walk into the temple is granite.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: granite. this is aswan Rose granite, which has about fifty five to sixty percent quartz and the reason for that was to set your frequency as you walked into the temple so that you were at the proper resonance to be able to to walk in there every single temple has that
1: how many Absolutely. how many times have you been to egypt you said you mentioned the tours and 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 your yeah um Twice, so oh, okay. we have the third tour coming up here in gotcha. uh, in April. Yeah, just was curious about that because you're saying to walk in and you hit that granite. I'm imagining. That's wonder how if I, I could do at that. Stonehenge. I, might, I would try to do that totally. barefoot, almost though, if I could get in there and get my mm-hmm. feet to tap onto that. Yeah, and some people
2: know. on our tours do that. Yeah, really, they take their their shoes or sandals off before they
1: walk into the temples. Yeah, ground and get all that energy and <clears throat> figure. Oh man, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna have to look into that. Have you been to Luxor Temple, Mike? When oh, yeah. you were on your tour, yep. what did you think about that place? Did you see the 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 quartz, I guess you'd call them baths, that are on the outside and just kind of randomly everywhere? I don't know if you got a chance to get eyes on any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much
2: there. Um, yeah, you've got, um, yeah, I mean, large, uh, large pieces of quartz like that, large pieces of, of granite, um, huge pieces of alabaster you know, was, uh, was a big thing. So yeah, it's, you see, I mean, really throughout, throughout all of those temples where, um, it, it was just, it was a function of the, it was what made everything operate. Right. So, um, you know, they were, they used a lot of the courts. Sure. Uh, the obelisks, you know, were again, that, Asra Aswan Rose Granite, which has a lot of quartz content in it. Um, so this these were in a sense like functioning machines. There was a there was a vibrance to them. They were they were humming. So um yeah, absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah, that and that's what you feel when you go to these places, it is almost like yeah, it's a functioning machine. Some of those places, like you know, Chaco Canyon, New Mexico, like that feels like a sh- time travel ship that you enter Chaco Canyon. of yeah. some sort or, you know, Pumapunku where they have these big granite doors that just go nowhere. There's the doorway, but there's just rock like are these stargates are some of these places. Yeah, Ramamuru. Yeah. Yeah. Functional stargates, or are they some kind of time travel device in physical form where you're, like you said, you're getting your energy resonant frequency? It's harmonizing with the temple. Now you can go sit in this big quartz crystal charged up place and go interdimensional inwards. And but it everything has to line up, right? Mm -hmm. Frequency wise, for it to work. Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: Um, a great example is, um, is Hatshepsut's temple. And what's wonderful about it's, you have all the pieces there, you know, they're, they're still, it's like, they're still there. Well, for the most part, um, you know, you have this staircase that's essentially going back into the temple that is built into the cliff there. And this is, this is right outside of, of Luxor. And alongside the stairs are these well, right now they're carved as falcons in the depiction of horse, but they are recarved from uh, older uh, older statues and mm-hmm. what had originally been there were snakes because you still see this this uh, tail of the snake going up alongside the staircase. <laughs> so it's there and then they've been recarved into into falcons now. So uh, some, the Egypt, ancient Egyptian symbol for energy, was the snake.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's what they used to depict energy. So you see this going back up into the temple. So beautiful picture. Okay. Off on the side is the base of an old pyramid. It's no longer, you just got the base. The, the pyramid itself is gone. Well, you know, we know that the Egyptians had used pyramids to harness the the earth energy and bring it into a location. There was a I know a lot of people try to debate it, but there's a scientific paper that came out a, you know, a few years back that basically laid out: yes, the test that we've done at the Great Pyramid of Giza, it is uh, encapsulating energy within mm-hmm. its structure. Okay, great. So, yeah, we, thank you for confirming that for us. Science, we already knew <laughs> that. But <laughs> so you have a structure here off on the side that's harnessing energy for this temple. Well, as you continue, you up the stairs, you. Past these, again, different thresholds that have the granite, but on the sides of the doorways, as you're walking into the courtyards, you have stargate, stargate, stargate. Then there's the the bark hall that goes back to the Holy of Holies, all the way in the back of the temple. Again, you have stargates on the side there. And There's also an interesting sign there that says, uh, tour guides, please don't explain anything inside here.
0: What? <laughs> yes. Don't explain anything in here. What? <laughs> Just don't so, don't try to theorize on what this is yeah, if you don't, don't know tell what anything. you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you go inside and you can only stand inside the bark hall, which is basically uh, the, the passageway for you know the gods to move through is kind of the way they described it in their, their literature. There's a couple of guards standing there. They will not let you into the Holy of Holies. You can tip them and they will take a photo back into there, but you still don't get to see the whole thing. Now, if you get there early enough in the day, like my good friend, Johnny Enoch, and pay them enough money and nobody else is around, they will let you back there. So you can take a picture in the in the very back of the Holy of Holies against the one wall that you can't see from outside is this massive cartouche of stars. Mm. So this is like, it's really the only place where you see something like this. It's a wonderful depiction of this is the Stargate. Whoa. So all the pieces there, you get symbolism of energy. You have the the power plant. It's no longer there now. You have all the markings of Stargate, 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 and then the actual Stargate chambers all the way in the back.
0: Damn. That yeah. We, we met a a lady, this is resonating with me. We went, met a woman out at Serpent Mountain a few years back, and uh, which I need to follow up and, and hit her up. She was fascinating, but she did a whole tour of Europe and became obsessed with St. Michael's Tour, which is a, a, a mounded hill— And the legends go back to all the way to, you know, um, King Arthur's buried there. Like every legend and conspiracy of England always kind of comes back to this area. And what she was saying was, what she was uncovering was that there's all these ley lines and energies that have been flowing through that area for thousands and thousands of years, and these people had built mounds, and then they had come along and built certain, uh, you know, ways to capture that energy. And then when the Catholics came in and took over the area, they built a giant castle structure to St. Michael, the archangel. And so Michael is connected with, you know, the serpent and driving the serpents and and driving the... um, you know, uh, the serpents out of Ireland and, and all this kind of snake and serpent mythology that really wraps up into these sites that are much, much older. And like you said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the serpent is always represented. And our buddy VJ from India talks about the, um, the, kundalini, uh, the kundalini energy that rises up through your body. And those are always represented by serpents. And so we just always come across this all the time. And here in Ohio with the earthworks and mounds, the ley lines, that's serpent iconography here as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's St. Michael's tour, whether it's Egypt, whether it's here in Ohio, you're always seeing this connected with energy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, its a shame. There's like th- been this, uh, I don't know, this campaign of propaganda against the, the ancient depiction of the serpent, you know, he's. Been cast as the bad guy when, uh, for most cultures uh, over the, across the world, uh, this was actually a very important piece of iconography. I mean, it's still used in our medical profession,
0: mm-hmm.
2: by the way. Um, and that that came from um, from the Middle East was the uh caduceus. serpent for for healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the caduceus. There you go. Thank you. So that and we still use that and kind of forget. Oh no, this actually had. Uh, you know, positive connotations to it. Exactly. It so, healing. yeah, that's a that's a real shame uh, that we see that. Yeah, it meant healing. So, but yeah, um, yeah, the uh, temples and um, churches and, and things like this, uh, the more modern ones, were built on top yes. of these ancient sites of power. You know, and it was a twofold thing. You know, one, we're going to stamp out the old religion. Two, we're going to harness their energy that mm-hmm. they were using because uh, they knew they knew it was going on there um so yeah some of these locations we we truly don't know how old they are how ancient they are um and what specifically that they were used for because more you know modern religions came in and, and wiped that out or masked it or or what have you but mm-hmm. yeah our our ancient peoples knew that there there was energy in the ground there that was to be had you know we we call them ley lines i, I usually say that's the layman's term mm-hmm. uh, is, is ley lines because it's it's what we're concerned with is the energy in the ground. the a lurk uh, earth currents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the, le- we call it the ley line. Uh, Alfred Watkins, the old straight track about a hundred years ago, had noticed this. Wait a minute. All these different ancient sites of power and all these churches and all these temples, they line up in a straight line. And they do that. They line up in a straight line because the ancients were tapping into these locations. And sure enough, of course, they all lined up. Yeah. So um so yeah, I always find that uh you know fascinating when we talk about ley lines or the the nodes when they cross, uh which are really conductivity discontinuities is, but who wants to say that? Who wants to say telluric currents and conductivity discontinuities? <laughs> yeah. well, we'll call them ley lines yeah. and energy nodes. Yeah. A lot easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and, and these telluric well fields. Yeah. They were experts on this stuff. And and mm-hmm. was it some kind of a machine to where, you know, for example, the Newark Circle and Stonehenge and the Great mm-hmm. Pyramid of Giza are all completely all in a row and yeah. literally are completely connected all the way through the great yeah. tri- trilithon in Stonehenge. And so if these places, are they some kind of jump portal uh, here on Earth potentially to where – People had figured out a way to get from place to place through these temple systems of of being able to not just time travel, but jump, essentially. Star Trek stuff. Yeah,
2: would, yeah when we talk, okay, Stargates, okay, what does that mean? Are we, well, we usually think of the movie from 1994, okay, we're mm-hmm. traveling to some other place in the universe. And we may be, it, it may be somebody, somewhere else in the universe. It could be somewhere else here. And you know, maybe that's why there were some significant similarities between like what you saw in Egypt and what you saw in South America, like temple construction, even you go to Elephantine Island, uh, which has a you know, one of those stargates that's you know pretty much been obliterated, although the gate itself is still there. But down in the uh the one temple on the on the lower level, you see a depiction of somebody in a Mayan headdress what the heck is that doing mm. so you know were these stargates connecting locations on earth that's possible could be we, we've talked other dimensions we've talked other points in time uh you know, so there are a lot of possibilities on the table now there are rumors coming out of egypt from what we call egypt's area 51 that they have a working stargate there of course it's on a military base so you know we don't know you know what the truth of that is? Is it just a rumor? Uh, but on that installation, which is in the area known as Dasher, you have the Red Pyramid and the Bent Pyramid. That's right there, and then boom! Here's this military base, and there are the remnants of some ancient pyramids. There, like the the bases. There's one where you have all these chambers that are carved into the rock, and either they never finished the pyramid or the pyramid was completely obliterated but you see you mentioned before like the the baths right you know there is a huge bath-like structure right in the middle of this thing and the the photo is over 100 years old from the italian uh uh egyptologist or archaeologist who was working on the site and unfortunately we don't have any modern day photos of it but you do find elsewhere in egypt A similar type of structure. It is like a bath type structure. So, you know, were they, uh, was was that the way they were entering? Not sure. But the supposed active one at this uh, Egypt's Area 51, people have described it as like an aurora on the ground and you step into this aurora Mm. and you go off someplace. Again, we're not really sure, but because it's a story that's come out of there, right? Can't confirm it because we can't get on the base. But you mentioned Stonehenge, and there's a story from the early '70s, and it's been chalked up to urban legend. But it makes you wonder. And it's called the uh, you know, Stonehenge hippies. I don't know if you guys heard the story? No, no. Okay, no. Okay. So these were it was a, it was a group of young adults. Uh, going up to uh, Stonehenge back at a time where you could actually camp there. And so they had set up camp. They're having a good time. And there was a storm that was rolling in. It's gotten to be about 2 a.m. Now, there was a police officer who was passing by at the time that witnessed this and a farmer that was in the area. And of course, we can question as to what in the world the farmer was doing up, but apparently he was. And as this storm rolled in, there was this, lightning starting to kick up and there was this great blue flash of light in the sky and they heard these screams and all of a sudden the young adults, the the hippies were gone. They had, their equipment was still there, like their backpacks and that sort of stuff, but they themselves gone, according to the police officer and the farmer. Again, it's been chalked up as, as urban legend, but it makes you wonder about Okay, what was really the function of Stonehenge? You know, there's a debate today as to, you know, was it, a, was it a calendar? Is it, you know, really, you know, lined up to the stars? What kind of rituals do they... They're still arguing about all this stuff today. Well, one of the ideas, of course, is, you know, it could have been used as some sort of portal. And, you know, if this story was true, or maybe at least based in some sort of truth, because even, you know, our legends and lore, there's, there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. You know, did that flash of lightning activate something? Maybe it was the the right amount of energy to start this thing up, right? And maybe it was a portal at some point back in the day, or some sort of Stargate that, in this moment, it started it up, and boom, off they went. Two
0: point three gigahertz. Yeah, <laughs> one point twenty one <laughs> gigawatts. One point twenty one gigawatts, gigawatts. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The gigawatts. oh, they sent sent them back. <laughs> <clears throat> no, well, I mean I, I do I do actually remember hearing that story now. That's a really it's wild. And and no one had ever still to this day, no one has ever seen those folks or they never like popped up somewhere it, it else. They never reappeared. Like yeah. 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 Well, it's just one of those missing 411 cases almost of like where you know, you hear about the Bermuda Triangle, the Serpent Triangle in Asia and these places being these kind of portals that are, you know, maybe the Earth has certain little mini black holes that is a part of our electromagnetic field, where at certain times these windows open up. And the ancients knew where these places were. And you know the, the Bermuda Triangle, for example, that's where rumors of these big underground bases and some sort of giant crystal technology underneath there. And and you know, the, the, under the water, under the water in the Bermuda Triangle. And so, yeah, but, yeah go yeah, ahead. Uh, you, yeah. You have a lot of those places around the world. I have
2: uh, you know my book Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we cover some of the underwater locations there. And you know, really, what you're what you're having here. Um, we've talked earlier about the earth's magnetism well okay so how does that work we've talked you know ley lines and stuff so you know the core of the earth is molten iron and it's spinning and it's creating that you know electromagnetic field which is a great thing because it protects us from the solar wind and you know we had the the big mass coronal ejection uh what was it, a week and a half ago mm, yeah mm-hmm. recently. we didn't have that magnetic protection we'd get we'd have been fried yeah so it's a it's a good thing but as it passes through the earth, you know, the mantle and the crust and all that, it's interacting with different metals and minerals, you know, water in some cases, and depending on, you know, the type of metal or, or mineral that it passes through and the quantity, it creates different electromagnetic fields. Mm-hmm. And so you have some of these locations, Bermuda Triangle, Alaska Triangle, uh, the Sedona area, you know, that are going to have, you know, a we, we're not sure exactly the entire mineral composite that's in the ground there. But we know something significant there because it's creating these you know, portals, vortices, supernatural activity, and all this strange stuff. With uh, the Alaska Triangle specifically, because you know, I did a lot of research on that for the book. <clears throat> in 1965, the U.S. Department of the Interior did a magnetic survey of about 100,000 square miles of Alaska, which is about one-sixth of the state, but it was still a pretty significant chunk. And within that area, they uh, defined what they called, you know, five distinct magnetic characters. And within those, negative anomalies. So they're already basically telling us, yeah, there's, you know, strange electromagnetic fields in this area up here. Mm. Yeah.
0: And NASA's been tracking these Castle spots. Bag. You know, in the 50s, uh, they didn't... didn't. Uh... Kevin, tell us that NASA had been scanning that area in the 1950s and 60s. Sedona? In Sedona. Yeah, and they were measuring the ley lines were, and all the they energy were, fields yeah. come off them. They yeah, were sure. documenting heavily the vortex areas. And a lot of yeah. these kind of like Jeep tour vortex maps are all based off of what NASA had discovered.
1: Basically, yeah. We, and, we, <clears> yeah, we yeah got you can find a lot route. of those magnetic
0: surveys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know here with with uh, Serpent Mound the the Serpent Mound impact crater, you know they thought it was a crypto explosion, and then you know NASA had to come here, and they were looking for the breccia. That's when they came to our friend Tom, and we like, "Hey, have you heard about breccia around?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I'll show you around. Right, I'll, I'll show you exactly where it's <laughs> at." Tom <laughs> knew all right about it. it. Yep. He brought the NASA yep. scientists. How put off? And that's when they started. <laughs> that's when they started it was putting it together that it was an impact crater, and that's why you were seeing all these magnetic anomalies. Yeah, Um, You know, the AEP had came there after a huge sweep of energy completely knocked out these huge power transformers. And they're like, this is your magnetic ley line right in this area. So that's American Electric Power is telling them this. So this isn't some – like there is a lot of science and documentation about these areas having – these electromagnet, and if there is that much energy and this much elect-, elect, that's what we know about, you know, creating that much energy to open up portals to have these kind of weird yeah. things in high strangeness. Maybe that's all it is—just some natural phenomenon that just opens and closes every now and then. Well, it's all natural.
2: So, like the whole the whole term supernatural, it's. Um, So I I quote Hans Holzer a lot on this one. He says, there is no supernatural world. Everything that we experience is natural. Mm -hmm. It's just some of this stuff we don't experience as often, but it's very natural to to our world, to our universe. Um, Yeah, and, you know, when we say ley lines, I think because it's been a big part of the metaphysical community, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people kind of put it off as, oh, that's just, you know, metaphysical woo-woo stuff. But no, this is actual... You know this is legitimate, <laughs> you know, right? You know this is something that you know our scientists have measured. Um, you know we talk like dowsing going out, you know using dowsing rods to find some of these lines, and you know, surveyors still use dowsing rods today to find pipes in the ground and, and things like this. It's it's not just woo-woo stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's something real to this. So you know when we uh, venture off into areas like this, you talk about missing four one one, and a lot of people just vanish out of thin air, you know, somebody's walking next to you, poof, they're gone. Some of those people, you know, a handful have shown back up Mm -hmm. and the ones that do tell some bizarre stories. Like I heard a noise off the path, took two steps out into the woods, you know, to see what it was, couldn't find anything, turned around to get back on the path and the path was gone and I was lost wandering around the woods for, you know, the next three days or whatever, you know, how did that happen? So did they step into something? When they stepped off the path, did they step into something that you know, it was some sort of, you know, mini portal that took them to somewhere else in the woods or maybe another point in time?
0: You know, we yeah, don't
2: that,
1: know. Those scenarios really give me like nightmares, but for whatever yeah. reason, that, that whole, like, <clears throat> you just step one foot off and the next thing, you know, there's no, you know, you've just gone into this parallel mm-hmm. time slip and everything you just You know, Mikey's not there anymore. Nobody's with you. That's just so weird to me.
0: But doesn't physics explain some of this stuff? I mean, we do have mathematics that, you know, like you said, the Rosen—that's an Einstein theory, the Rosen bridge. Right. Right. Well, the theory. There's a basis of, you know, thinkers and people that have broken down the mathematics and theoretically the stuff— is possible mathematically. It's just, we don't, I mean, can you break that down a little bit? Kind of the, some of the science behind some of this, Mike?
2: Yeah. um, Well, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, because a lot of it comes down to math. Like when we look out to the vastness of the universe and trying to gauge what's out there, we use math to do that because we can't see all the universe. And then we put up a satellite, um, like the James Webb telescope, and it's bringing back images and they're like, oh my gosh, there's a lot more out there than what we expected. So <laughs> the the math, I think, takes us so far mm-hmm. and at some point it breaks down. Right. Um, so talking portals, okay, you know, NASA, um, 10, 11 years ago, they put up a bunch of satellites to uh, to investigate these, what they call X points out there, uh, which are portals. You know, NASA hasn't, yeah, we have portals out there. And they have these satellites that are investigating this phenomena. And basically what it is, is uh, where the Earth's uh, magnetic shield hits the solar wind. Mm -hmm. And that's where these X points are. And they are portals that are opening and closing at random intervals at varying sizes. And it essentially lets in the solar wind a a lot quicker to to hit the Earth. But in all of this time that they've been researching this, they're still scratching their heads. They're like, we have no idea why it opens at the size that it does. We have no idea why it, it may open, you know, uh, a minute from now, it may open an hour from now. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's very, very sporadic. So, because, because what they want to do is that you know they want to find that pattern. They want to apply some mathematical principles to it so that they can better gauge when these things are you know going to happen and occur. And yet they haven't been able to do
0: that, right? Hmm, that's wild. That it's so sporadic, like you said, and and trying to create a pattern to try to figure out to how to harness that, and and maybe you know the ancient people figured that out. What we're trying to figure out they figured out with this temple building process on how to harness the time the energy maybe that's why calendar systems are built into these and the stars are aligned to these temples and well i'm freaking myself well, out yeah it's it's like trying to
2: predict an earthquake right you know um, we know what's going to happen we can you know gauge some tension in the ground but we don't know like the exact moment that is going to kick off hmm. um or you know when we're talking the electromagnetism of the earth and the spinning of the core and all that well that energy that's emanating forth it's not a constant Mm. You know, it ebbs and it flows and it, it basically pulsates. And some of those pulsations are a little bit stronger. Some of them are a little bit softer, um, but there's not a specific pattern, at least that our modern mathematics has figured out to be able to say, okay, this is how strong it's going to be. So that's why, you know, you'll have um, at, at some of these different sites days where it's like, oh, I really feel the energy today. And other days we're like, yeah, not so much today but you might be right the ancients may have figured out the key to that or or maybe they knew you know maybe they had figured something out okay this is going to be the day that it happens uh stronger than this other day so we can do you know, these other ceremonies or we can enter the stargate or whatever on that particular day rather than mm. these others. they may have figured something out there
0: That's what it feels like to me, like, you know, these places like Gungee Wap and America's Stonehenge. And, you know, we've had Dennis on and and talking about that place and and just all the discoveries of, um, you know, places in America that just see these stone chambers. You know, we've had a lot of people on that are researching and finding these chambers and weird um, serpents throughout the, you know, these ancient seabeds that are in Vermont and so forth. And, And, I mean, you don't even have people that it's on people's radar in America. I mean, you have somebody that's researching these stone chambers for the next 50 years. Who knows what kind of technology or weird stuff we might find out about just that alone.
2: Yeah, technology is constantly changing. So a lot of the things that uh, we've we have been able to detect and and figure out lately is fascinating, Uh, you know, hidden chambers within the great pyramid of Giza. We had no way to detect, you know, a few, just a few years ago Mm -hmm. that there was another chamber there above the grand gallery. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what technology might be able to help us uncover here in the
0: future. I'm excited, even down in Guatemala and in southern, in the Yucatan, all the LIDAR and big, massive yeah. cities that we're discovering. I think now, you know, in the next even five years, the amount of things that we're going to discover about our ancient past, if the powers that be can just get out of the way. Oh yeah. Get out of the yeah. way a little, a little bit. There's so much <laughs>
2: there's so much politics in all of that. Yeah. You know, the, there's a certain narrative that they want to tell. Um, you know, somebody's written five books on this and this one little piece of information basically negates all that. It's like, let's mm-hmm. well, just write another book. Or, you know, oh, people are worried God. about their their funding for their program because if they say this, then you know these, you know, their backers are gonna pull out. Go find new backers. Hey.
1: What if the story falls apart? Like your movie well, you were saying earlier, he brings the coin from 1980. What if, what if their story falls apart <laughs> if they actually give us the real timeline, so to Sorry. speak, and the real history? And
0: Then your theory was wrong. Move no, on.
1: No, you're missing yeah. what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is he's talking about the guy in the movie earlier that time travels. He has the coin in his pocket. That breaks mm-hmm. his dream. Mm-hmm. If we undo the history that's been made for us— or written down because they don't want to go back to it, does that break the spell of the history that uh, we're in?
0: Uh, yeah. right. Yeah. Maybe we're trapped in this
1: paradigm of I the history we're trapped in or you know, yeah. the reality we're trapped in. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that's why we're under the spell of that history. Mm. Uh, and then we wake up in the real world and not in the matrix.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we have woken up and there's technology that's beyond beyond belief, which we should I already mean, have. I mean we're still you know, and I'm not against them because I drive one, but an internal
1: combustion engine, you know, it's it's tried and true, but you know, I was thinking we'd have old tech you know, backpack jets right now and like George Jetson, I'd have my own UFO to be able to fly off into the uh, distance and go visit another planet at this stage. Yeah. I mean, look at some of the films that theorize what the year, you know, 2020 would look like, 2023, whatever. Mm -hmm. They thought we would... And don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of advancements in all kinds
0: of ways, but... We're still trapped in a lot of ways. We're still very high-class cavemen. Mm -hmm. Well, we haven't developed spiritually. We've developed material science... So far. That's our alchemy but to my, consciously, point, my perspective. yeah. Conscious science and technology is our alchemy. We can put it all together, and then now you have this Egyptian Atlantean style where science, spirituality, all of these things, it's not magic to them, it's science. The ancient Egyptians... We're oh, looking sure. at them, going, "Holy shit! This is magic to them." No, no, this is just high science. What right. you call magic,
2: yeah, sure, high science. Yeah, they were able to marry it all together. Mm-hmm. There you go. And our our modern society tries to keep these things apart. Yes, guys, like, okay, these both science and spirituality, you know, actually come together mm-hmm. to create something that's you know even more grand. You guys just need to get over yourselves with mm-hmm. all the fighting. Yeah, it's a good
0: point. Love it. Fantastic conversation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My brain is stretched left, right. I I love it. I love it. It's a very good mental workout. I find the Mm -hmm. best conversations and interviews we have afterwards, I'm just like waxed. I'm like, man, I just feel like I just ran like 10 miles or, you know, because again, it's keeping me so thought engaged the entire time. like, whoa, I'm going to take that theory. I can go there with you on that one. And you've had so many good points that you brought up too to really kind of Test my thought processes on some of these or, you know, even theorems or algorithms I run in my own mind of, yeah, this is how I think things are, you know, because we all do that from time to time, right? We're kind of cycle back to, yeah, that's how this thought works or – but again, that's even still a fluid environment too of, well, I need to change that now because this new piece of data came in. But it's like running those models over and over. Absolutely, yeah. You guys have very engaging
2: conversationalists. Asked a lot of wonderful questions. I've really enjoyed this one. So absolutely thank you for that, because this, you know, if I can come away from uh, an interview like this and start thinking, oh, how, you know, you or you or whomever you know made a great point or asked a great question. You know, how can I follow that? So it might end up becoming a part of my you know research or a book somewhere. There you go. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll be oh, honored. man. Much love, Mike. Much, Absolutely. much love. I mean, this is what we live for. Um, you know, me and myself have been obsessed with so many things. Anytime I can get – you have given me so many nuggets to add to these, what I call my stoner theories. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which are, are just, you know, me philosophizing with myself about – ancient history and how that connects to the paranormal, how that connects to the UAP and alien phenomenon and, and you know, ancient civilizations and all these things that I've been passionate about for so long. There's just all these nuggets and I'm trying to just string up these beads after bead after bead and maybe one day I'll pull up a necklace, maybe not. Maybe I'll keep continuing to make a necklace and it's never, ever done. Um, but, hey, that's what it's all about. And, dude, this was... Phenomenal! You've added so much to uh, for us to chew on and think about. Oh yeah! Um, and I do want to give you an opportunity to let us know where we can find you and leave our audience with uh, some last words.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find me at ricksecker dot com. Uh, links to all my books are there, as well as um, you know the Egypt tour that's coming up here in April. I also have uh, connecteduniverseportal dot which is it's an online uh, learning platform that I've put together. But really, it's it's a community where you know like minded people come together and discuss a lot of these topics. So you can check that
0: out as well. Very cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. Check that out. Absolutely. Um, You know, this has been an unbelievable, unbelievable conversation and episode. Um, Mike, we would love to connect with you. We've been trying to look at a tour to jump on. Um, We've we've been connecting with Brian Forrester a little bit on Instagram, and he does all the, um, you know, South America and Peru, some of the tours down there. We're always looking for somebody to connect with that can take us to Egypt uh, I think we really need to start looking at this. We keep talking about going to one, another, finding somebody mm-hmm. that's got the in on one of these Egyptian tours. So yeah. we might be chatting with you in the future, Mike. Um, love, yeah, love everything. to have you guys down.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, it's I, it's amazing because the um, and the tour guide uh, Mohammed Ibrahim, it, it's oh. his tour company, Oh, and. God. Uh, Yeah. Very familiar. (laughs) Okay. You're familiar with Muhammad. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, just the, because he knows everybody there. So we get into some uh, locations that nobody else is able to get into our little back room of this uh, temple that's locked up and, you know, the public can't get it. We're getting in there. Uh, The you know, Great Pyramid of Giza. We're there, just our little group. Uh Two hours, the whole thing's opened up to us. So we're getting down there to the subterranean chamber and the queen's chamber and the all all this. That's stuff.
0: amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm looking for there right go. there. Is that yeah. behind yeah. the scenes? And you know, our cameras and gear get us behind the scenes of a lot of places. Mm-hmm. We're very blessed in the sense that um, you know, having that. It's one of the reasons why I got into video production is allowing it to be more of a passport for me to get to places I want to see, mm-hmm. and so. But always having that kind of inside when you go to these places and that fixer mm-hmm. that can really get you into the places that the tourists can't go. That's what I'm after personally. And so this is great, great news.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mohammed has those connections. And he's such a wealth of knowledge, too. I mean, he is uh, by profession. He's an Egyptologist. But, yeah, he's been doing the tours there for over 20 years. And he's he's got those connections to get
0: us in places. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Fantastic. Sounds excellent. Well, Mike, don't go anywhere. Thank you again. We really, really appreciate you. Absolutely We're going to be right back. We're going to outro the show. I wanted to thank you again uh, from all of us down here and, and everybody out there watching and listening. You guys can find all of Mike's stuff in our links. Mike, thank you so much.
2: Take care, Mike. Thank you both so much. This has been wonderful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Mike Ricksecker, everybody. Um, go check out his new book. I'm going to have to start reading. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you know, he's, he's written quite a few books, uh, the tours, the links. Go follow Mike. Mike. Covers up to date a on. lot of material, a lot of different things happening, a lot of material. Mm-hmm. And hey, love it, Ohio native, represent That's even better. That's what's up. And next get time, him, get him down in studio. Sometime. Next time, we'll, we'll we'll chat with Mike and see if we can't get him down here. Uh Always willing to help out with accommodations and and you grab know.
1: a dinner, get a bite, get a drink. Yep, talk some more shop,
0: be a good hang. You know, yeah.
1: <sighs> I'm gonna have to like get a good like eight <laughs> hours of sleep <laughs> again before like
0: the look at his broke face me down for a while. It's like. Man. I knew this was gonna be a good one it for was you, great. Bub. it. Was great. And I told I kept you so in the dark about this. He one.
1: didn't tell me until like four <laughs> seconds before the show, like, oh, he he goes into doppelgangers too. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, like that's even like Yeah. <clears throat> it's kinda like saying we're gonna have ice cream. I already know we're gonna have ice cream. And then I get here and you're like, by the way, it's Baskin Robbins with every possible <laughs> treat and <laughs> topping you want. Yep. of you know topics that you love to talk about and are very. This is the in, root
0: so. of I think both what you and I get really passionate about. I think we we covered. I like the theoretical
1: stuff because it, it, you, that's where I deal with a lot. I'm a I, I have a mental gym that I go into and I mm-hmm. I just work out crazy thoughts all the time. Yeah, and I sometimes you know because mm-hmm. to me the 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 most. Pure form of joy I've ever experienced is when I think or have had even the slightest inclination that I've had an original thought. Because 99% of your thoughts, somebody else has had already. Mm-hmm. That you, you go on the internet, you think of something, an invention, an idea, this or that, go Google it. It's out there. Go get it patented. Mm-hmm. Some patent troll has a patent out there waiting on you to make the, the thing that they have already patented so they can sue you for it. It's a whole yep. thing. So when you get to an original thought or a unique conversation uh, like this, yeah, just sets me off. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, that's 100% what I'm here for.
0: And we hope all of you out there enjoyed this conversation. You guys keep up to date on everything we're doing. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, hit that like. Uh, share this video. Hit that like and subscribe Absolutely. button. Um, you guys, are there's our link tree. We got links to the merch portal up. Uh, all of our links are in the, in the description. And we love each and every one of you. Love, peace, and chicken grease. We are out.
1: Thank you, Thank you. Guys. Thank you.